Hi and welcome to the XL Podcast. In the background is the latest track from David Forbes and myself called The Master, which is out now in David's own IRA Records. Check it out, all the usual download places. Check out David's gig in Glasgow on the 14th of May when he plays open to close for OTC at the Classic Grand on the 14th of May 2022. Tickets are on sale from Ticket Scotland and Skiddle right now. It's an amazing night. Also dates to look out for 1994 and Saturday the 26th of March. Hope you can join us. Ultrasonic, Rhythm Quest, Rhythmic State, Scott Brown, George Bowie, Trevor Riley, Joe Deacon, Malcolm X, MC Cyclone, and possibly our biggest lineup to date. This will be the last 1994 for a while, so get your tickets before it sells out. This is going to be a belter. Now, on with the show, and here's David's journey through music. Welcome to another episode of the XL Podcast. On this episode, I've got my good mate, the DJ, the producer, the football player, the fucking Red Bull consumer, David Forbes. How you doing, Davey? I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. Absolutely fantastic. I'm like, do you know what? I'm feeling a wee bit rough today, if I'm being brutally honest. So hidden a wee bit of... Um, I was out running the other day with one of the boys in the football team. And he's just got a quarantine for the full family had a um, sickness and diarrhea. So I hope I'm not coming down with that. But anyway, I apart from that, I'm all good, mate. Aye, back in the studio. Excellent. Uh, and for anybody oh. listening, run about the world, whereabouts is your studio? It's in the city centre of Glasgow, um, in, a, in a, an area called Kinnan Park. It's about a five-minute walk from um, Ibrox. You've been there for a good few years now, haven't you? I think this will be five years, mate. I think this will wow. be coming up for six years. This year? No, you know, I think, aye, this will be, this will be six years. Probably. It doesn't even feel like six years, man. So it is, it's amazing. You know what? It's, it's funny, because this is probably the longest I've been in a- anyone's place just throughout um, all my years of producing. And would you say that studio you're in the new is your ideal studio? Is like, kind of, you know, the studio you've always wanted? Um, I, I I would say so. I would I would say say that because it's a wee complex. You know, I've been in some amazing studios. You know, it's. Um, I would say this is my ideal. I wouldn't say this is my favourite, but this has been my my ideal studio. Mm-hmm. I'm happy here. The Snake Pit one's my favourite. Ah, we can get to that man in the journey. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, that's knocked in there, but there you go. Um, no. I, so, but this podcast in it, it's just basically a story of your journey through music to basically write up where you are now. So, you know, taking you right back. When do you think, or when can you remember, was you, was you first drawn to music or became aware of it? There you go. <laughs> just actually, just music kind of caught my ear. I just like, you, you know, know what? what? This sounds a bit, it sounds a bit, 
everything sounds a bit cliche when you're talking about music and how you get into it. And you know, I started playing the keyboard when I was in my mom's womb and all that. You know, <laughs> you know um, but you know, you know, the, you know, the first I, I stayed in a street called Calern Street in Postal. Um, anyone from um, Glasgow or the north of the city will probably know that area well. And um, I remember hearing Craftwork model. I, and I remember, I remember, I, I don't know if it was a video or whatever else, but I remember it being a big kind of, it was like um, Frankenstein's castle with all the potions and all that. And I remember that track. And that was probably my first, I was probably about five or something like that then. Right. You just go, what's this kind of thing? I probably, that's a, that's a first inclination of, wow, that sounds amazing. You know, that uh-huh. was probably um, the first time that kind of electronic music in a sense kind of caught my ear but again that's that's the first memory I can remember uh-huh. but as you know so I, that's probably the first Was music always in your house? Was you, your folks in that? Were they well, always listening to tunes? And... Um, I, they were my mum was always into Motown so she was like a lot of parents and uh-huh. my auntie was a mad Michael Jackson fan you know so I remember her playing it off the wall um, religiously all the time and my mum was constantly playing it my mum had a big family you know and a lot of brothers and sisters so it was quite an eclectic kind of range of music they were all different ages you know so yeah. you got a wee bit of everything for, for all the sisters and more, more so the, the sisters they were a wee bit younger um, our brothers were a wee bit older than my mum you know so I there was always there was always music um, in the house you know obviously my dad was playing the Sari Flip Band a lot and stuff like that. The <laughs> <laughs> <No>, classics. All <laughs> the classics. No, you know, play one that we all know. <laughs> just half the listeners have just tuned in, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> we can maybe cut that bit out if you want. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I mean, he was, into, he was into things like the floor tops and stuff like that. You know, I remember him used to go, watch them quite a bit when they came into the city and stuff like that mm-hmm. old man's music sort of thing you know so aye, there was always there, were all, there was always music um, in and about the house all the time so there was just I would say more so from my mum than my dad and everybody kind of remembers their first actually I can't even remember your first record but do you remember the first record that you bought as a DJ or no no know? just like what was your first kind of tune was it not the one you nailed to the wall in the old studio? <laughs> but do you know what I'm talking about? It was a picture disc. No, I can't even mind that right now. Did, did you know nail that? And see, now that, back that time it was a bit cloudy in my memory, but I'm sure you nailed a picture disc of Ghostbusters as a single to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Am I getting mixed up? Did that even happen? I can't, you might be right there. I remember that being there. I don't know if it, don't know if it was me. That's a big Paul or something like that. Uh, I don't know, for me. some bizarre, my, in my memory says, I don't know, it was, it was, I, I don't know with a conversation in your head. Maybe you said that maybe that was one of the first singles that you bought. Or, I remember. It ended up hammered on it, 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 it was in the, it was in the, it was the, the shape, it was it the shape of the wee. Aye, aye, the logo. Aye, aye, aye. It was, a, it was the shape of the logo and the the wee the wee ghost, the uh-huh. wee green ghost sort of thing. It might have been. Uh, do you know what? 
I remember my mum and dad had a cafe, so I used to take away when they changed the jukebox. I used to get all the old records. Oh, wicked! So I used to play. I mean, I, mean, I, I remember. Um, so you never needed to buy anything because you just kind of propped all well, the ones for the jukebox. I, I kind of plucked them off of the jukebox in the cafe. So I did, you know. And um, I remember, I remember buying the Joshua Tree. Uh-huh. The first that was probably the first album I listened to, start to finish. So it was, you know, that was probably. That's still a stand-up album, isn't it? You two album. Incredible, mate. Brilliant. Um, I love it. So and I was, then, as you're sort of growing up, you know, a lot of folk that I speak to, you know, music's coming in, in sort of waves, like you know, like with break dancing, there's the electro and all that kind of stuff. You know, skateboarding, you know, hanging about skate parks, BMX, and there's always music or a ghetto blaster there. What about you? Did you find yourself kind of get music and trends coming? Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I remember, I don't know if you were the same, but I remember watching all the breakdance movies. Aye. We were kids and there was always a ghetto blaster there. I remember going and buying all the electro albums. I remember having a trackie and being part of a wee breakdancing crew. We used uh-huh. to go to Kensington's building and the tune and stuff like that. And it's amazing. Subconsciously, I was I was I was into the dance that, but I think I was more into the music, yep. and that's what kind of drew me to the full culture. You know, I remember BMXing, and you know, um, I, I I do that 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 I remember that that period. I've been into break dancing and been into you know, I remember listening to Shaka Khan. Yeah. Ain't nobody. And uh-huh. one of the boys in the in the in the break dancing crew that we had was going, Oh, that's fucking garbage and I'm giving it feel for you. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Amazing. I always tell it obviously I've told that story a few times when we had the break dancing, you know the social services get sent to my man's door. <laughs> Because we remember because you were all breakdancing in the foyer with Alino, my brother was trying to do it, and he ended up with bruises all over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But you're right in a, in a way as well because the, obviously as the, as the trends come and go, they're always no no led, but the music is is an important part of it. And and and, and I, again, like yourself, I was and when you think back on it now, you were always kind of amazed. And into the music just that wee bit made it just it, the music just wasn't something that harmed it was like something that you were interested in yeah. I mean even oh, like uh, I knew what 808s were because of electro yeah. albums and all that kind of stuff long before like Acid House or not long before but you know you already knew what the kind of that, sounds were and all that I totally mate I 100% I mean you listen back to it it kind of was well, it's electronic dance music kind of hang into it oh, and then course, that's morphing into you know the dance music as we know it you know now yeah yeah I remember I mean I remember always being into I was never a big fan of the 80s music but I was always I was always into things that just sounded a wee bit different mm-hmm. you know even when you heard it in the charts and stuff like that and I remember being in second year was it second year or third year and a guy called Gerald came out and stuff like that you know and we were still going to discos at school and stuff and things like that were really capturing my you know, my, my kind of ears Aye. a wee bit more than the rest of the stuff, you know. Um, I, I mean, even before that, Axel F and stuff like that, you know, it's just, 
Aye. Herbie Hancock, Rockets, and all that. Aye, aye, nine and nineteen and all that. Aye, aye. All that sort of. And it was probably more the the more electronic sound that was, you know, that that I was used to hearing or, or that I was more interested in than the kind of guitar based mm-hmm. sort of sound. I was never into. Um, I was never into. You know, even early nineties, I was never into kind of Happy Mondays and all that, mate. I don't. I just. I was probably that consumed in the the rave scene that had kicked off at that particular point. But eighties, mm-hmm. you know, just I there was just inner city, good life and all that, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, that progression from, you know, the electro stuff to the early or the, the late eighties stuff, early nineties. So many amazing tracks were just kind of like, like popping out, like. You'd maybe see it in top of the pops or whatever, but every now and again you would get a belter on it. Fucking, you could still right. play in the new. Yeah, yeah. Like Acid, who has it done? Acid, is that Jungle Brothers? Um, like no, who was that? No, like D Mob or something like that, featuring uh, somebody. Uh, like, things like Acid, that. Acid, the musical phenomenon. Acid, even the riff in it. Tremendous, mate. You know, that's the, that, all that stuff was kind of capturing my imagination, you know, and, and yeah. It, and just sparking something in you for this, I don't know, interest in dance music. But then, when I, I mean, we've known each other for years, so I, I know a lot of things, which is, I suppose has helped me ask the questions, but. You you left you left school and went was it straight out of the army or was that I met aye, how, aye. how did that come about because even now I'm kind of thinking that's it's quite a quite a mad not a mad path to take but it, from what you're doing now mm-hmm. to you know being this wee guy into dance music and stuff like what was the interest in you that made you decide to join the army how how did that come about do you know what I, I played I, I played um, I played with Rangers Boys Club for a, since I was under 13 till I was 16 and uh, I remember I always saying to myself if I don't get picked up because it was, it was difficult was, I mean to, to get picked up back then and even now I'd, I'd imagine no but there's a lot of academies now you know so um, but back then you know um, I always say to myself if I, don't, if I don't get picked up by the time I'm 16 which is looking back you know you're just giving, that's bonkers even think like that I'll join the I'll join the army. I was always interested in the army. My dad was in the army, mm-hmm. so I was always interested in the in, in joining the army. And I just thought I just thought I'd left school, and I was maybe quite impatient because I'd only I'd only left school a matter of months, mate. You know, I don't even think it was eight weeks I'd left school and I joined the army. And I was only sixteen. I'd only turned sixteen and I joined. Major. I was I. So I left. I, I left I, I obviously left in is it June July and, and I think I was in the army be August mate September I can't actually remember the exact date I need to go back and it'd be actually interesting to go back to it but I never thought I, but again going back to your question I just thought you know if, I, if I'm no picked up as a professional football player at 16 I'm just going to join the army so it's mad that you're putting that pressure on yourself like I, 16 but I don't know, just in the way you, you grew up back then, it was like you had to get a job and get on with it kind of thing, wasn't it? It was like, or, or you were, I, I don't know, you're kind of scared you're going to end up doing nothing or something like that, isn't it? Uh, I suppose it's setting yourself goals at an early age as well. Right. You don't even know you're, you're doing that sort of thing, you know? I was kind of, 
you know, even as a young person, you know, I was quite driven. You know, you always want to be first at the races and might be the best football player. And mm-hmm. you know, I was quite, I don't know, maybe quite impatient. I don't know if you could say that. You know, I just, I just thought, I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to sit about and and waiting things happening. You know, I just had to take action. I thought at All that right. point, you know, and. My mum was devastated, I remember. She, my dad wasn't so much, you know, but my mum was pretty... She's clearly... You're I mean, a I mean, I, we've, we've both got kids, mate, you know, so my daughter's turning 15 this year. To think that she, Nick, the following year she'd be joining the army, right. I just, and you can't even, can't even comprehend that in my brain, you know. It just doesn't compute that the fact that, you know, I was joining the army so young. And I was too young. I was far too young, looking back. But I'm glad I did it. But looking back at it, I'm... Um, was that doing in England, Davy? I was, was yeah, based in aye, aye. England, mate. I was based in Chippenham, down next to Bath. And what kind of year is this? 1990, mate. Right, so you're down there, and pretty much the rave scene's blown up all over the UK, isn't it? Pretty much, aye. I remember, yeah, I remember, aye, I remember just being down there. Not so much for the. Was it, it was 1990, uh, definitely 1990. Not me actually, but, uh, it was 1990, 1989, no, 1990, mate. Um, 87 was 30, 84, 89, probably 1990, aye. So I, I never really caught up in it then. I didn't know what was kind of, I'm still probably just too young. I'm still 16, so I wasn't aware of what, you know, 17, 18, I, you know, I was, I was actually, I was going out at 16, you know, I remember going to Carnegie's underground quite a bit when I was in school. Mm-hmm. Oh, in the town, I'm sure it's Howard, no Howard Street, but kind of mind it Street, just off Sucky Hill Street. I remember going there quite a bit when I was younger, and there with the National Insurance Guard trying to get in. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that an over 18 thing? Oh, I was aye, aye, all right, trying to sneak in. I think I was in fourth year or even third year, maybe. Third year, fourth year, you know, it's just again the same age as Aria, man. It's just, it's bonkers. I know when you start putting it into perspective, isn't it? See, see the mad thing. When you were saying that, getting my last insurance card, I got a line of my mate's big brother's license, right? And I was getting into clubs, no clubs, it was like a pubs that were, I had a disco at the back. And I'd just cruise in, right? And then it, it took me ages to realise it was his shotgun license that I had. His name is Philip McDermott as well. And I was the bouncer's like, I need boss. And I was just walking and hanging. I was like, I don't hear. And then I was thinking to myself, they must have thought I was some fucking loony. No, like a shotgun license in the oh. West Coast, not that? Well, it's quite young, you have a shotgun. That's it. Fucking better let him in before he comes back. Oh, but aye, it was a bit sneaking in. But you are doing. I, I, I know you as well I know how driven you are so like, I would imagine you're getting right tore in about all the army things and you know oh, really making a go at it and everything mate right in about it you know <clears throat> it was only a matter of weeks before I'd been promoted you know you're in a billet with 30 bodies so when you're in the juniors you're, you're there for 12 weeks um, sorry 12 months you're doing 12 months training mm-hmm. and it's almost like being in the jail I don't know, I've never been in the jail but I can imagine you know just being cooped up uh-huh. you know, so I get promoted quite early then I get promoted again to Obviously, you're only juniors, but then before I knew it, six months, seven, I don't even know how long it was, maybe eight months, I was a junior sergeant, you know, where you get your own room. So you're trying, wow. to be mates with, you're trying to be mates with all these people, all these guys, you know, and tell them what to do at the same time, because you've got your sergeant, your proper sergeant, bursting your chops. Yeah. 
a shit's no done in the ballot and stuff like that, you know. So there, again, there was a lot of pressure. Ended up rolling about with a few people, as you as you would. But then you're trying to keep, you're trying to keep that those kind of friend groups. It was real. It was really difficult, but mm-hmm. it was something that I, I think I, I, I did. I really, I really um, could. I, I think I could have really thrived in the army. But then, then I. I went home one time, you know, and got a, a shot of my, my mate's decks, one of the boys' decks, and I was giving it, fuck, this is what I wanted to do. What was it? Oh, just don't leave, you're up, back up the road, was it, in the family? I was, on, I was on leave, back up the road, you know, and Robert Peden, I've mentioned this loads of times, but Peden, Robert Peden had a set of decks, mate, and I think everybody in the north of the city had a shot of these decks. You know, he was he, like the first guy in the area to get them. I knew that I knew of. You know, I didn't. I, I wasn't aware that you could mix two records together and was a mixer, and mm-hmm. you know. And I had a shot of these decks, and I was giving it wow. And he had a few records, and I was giving it wow. This is amazing. You know, it just kind of blew my mind. Boom, went straight back down to. Um, and I'd start. I was going when I was going on leave. I'd started going out to the 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 clubs a, a couple of times. You know, and I was giving it. They're starting to hear new tunes, new sounds, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's the rave scene for me started to and and, and um, really kick off. And I could see it all bubbling about the city and stuff like that. And then I was having to get back down the road, and you know, I was giving, I was giving a bit disillusioned. wasn't wasn't disillusioned about the army, but I was just I could see this is what this is what I was more interested in. I wasn't interested in so much the partying and you know. They can out. I think it was the music. It was a full. It was a full culture. You could see it was just exploding, like you said, everywhere. You know, and, that, and I really wanted to be a part of that. And I think I, I get, I get um, when I was leaving. This so this was this was towards the end. This was towards the end of my kind of twelve month stint, and I'd found a record shop in Bath, and I bought Mentasm. So I did, and it was on XL at the time. It wasn't on RNS. I'm sure it was on XL. Yeah, it was UK release or something like that. Would have been. Uh, you know, and I was just, I, I was just getting up. And I'd heard, a, I'd heard a guy with a prodigy tape in Bula Barracks. I think that's been knocked down now, you know. But I was 17 at that particular point, you know, and I maybe had 10 records to my name. And when I was going back home, all the boys were going to the Mayfair. The Metro just kicked off, you know. Mm-hmm. Off of them were going to the metro, some of them were still staying in the city and going to the Mayfair. And I, I'd started taking records up to the Mayfair, you know, and I was getting the DJ was playing all my tunes. The place was gone, whoa, you know, and you're probably getting tunes that maybe they never had up here as well, you know, you know what it's like, so, innit? You get some shops get different records at the time. Yeah, I think I think the fact that the DJ in the Mayfair at the time was a lot older and he was used to playing eighties music right. and stuff like that, you know, so he hadn't quite cottoned on to the you know, the kind of the rave culture that had started, started mm. and you're like a big man play this play this for us all exactly. you exactly and the, 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 the end of the, I was just taking them up a bag of records uh-huh. you know every time I was I was I was coming on leave but when I eventually get out you know I was taking a bag of records up weekly and he was just playing my tunes and then one time one I was getting a big man come on give me a shot I'd still been having a shot in Peden's decks at that particular point I think I had my own decks at that time as well um, but and he's eventually gave you a shot at the Mayfair. Yeah, eventually gave me a shot, and then it ended up becoming a kind of weekly thing. So it did, mate. Oh, but then, had you left the army by this point? If it became weekly, how's that come? Yeah, where's the transition? I'd left the army at that point. I left the army, and I was only in eighteen months, mate. 
I mean, again, it wasn't the boys down the stair that owned the CrossFit gym. They're doing their stints in Afghan and stuff like that, and they're always giving me pelters, Ollie and Graham. You know, I put my 20 minute stint in the army and all that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Beats you know, like my bivouac. Shell scrape and stuff like that, and bulk tents and stuff like that, while they were kicking indoors in Afghan, you know, Afghan, you know what I mean? Aye, <laughs> uh, um, so I kind of, I'd left, I'd, I'd left the, 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 the army. You just made your mind up, this was the working out, and yeah. I had you to needed to. I had to duck and dive to get out, mate. I really did. I get posted when I'd left the juniors. I get posted. I'd done my training. I was getting posted to my unit, which was an older shot at the time. And um, I get posted to Buller Barracks. And it was just a wee, I, th- I think I was just a kid, mate, in a man's world at that particular point. You know that way? And, and it really dawned on me. And I was getting the carnage that was happening in there on a daily and nightly basis. You know, I was just, just. You know, people there that are a lot older than me. You're still a kid. You're only seventeen, mate. You know, oh, you're still finding out who you are and growing up, aren't you? Carnage, mate. It was absolute carnage. You know, everything was going on there. You know, and it was just, it was just a wee bit overwhelming. You know, and, I, and at that point, I genuinely wanted it. The army, I, I genuinely wanted it. Um, Specifically to pursue DJing. That was that's I, that's I, your I, next that, focus that, now. That was, that was my next focus. Believe it or not. It wasn't just to, and do you know what's do you know what's nice? When I was doing all the kind of um, a couple of years ago, when started the radio show again upstairs. My old sergeant started coming on on a monthly basis and commenting on my shows and stuff like that. And it was nice to see him, um, Sid Cooper, coming on and and you know and, and commenting and getting that respect that I left the army to still do what I was doing because he sees you still doing it it wasn't like a passing phase yeah uh, he just didn't I didn't he he, he, he tried his hardest to keep me in mate they all did you know he knew you left for the right reasons I think I think so you know and I think I still got that respect from him which was really it was really gratifying you know and and, and heartwarming that he was coming on and look it's great what you've done son and you know it's great that you're still doing that's brilliant you know what you left to do 20 years ago mate you know it was it was amazing mate you know some of the messages you sent me it was really it was really cool that's so, bro- i mean even uh, like the fact that he's remembered you could imagine the thousands of kids I, he's remembered yeah. you for a start yeah, as, as yeah, the guy that left to go into the d because back then and all i mean a lot of people don't realize that if you said you were into dance music or i, I want to be a dj or anything like that, folk were like you daft that's a fad. That's that's it's gonna no, especially older folk. The that's, yeah. that's a flash in the pan. You yeah, you'll be on the broom fucking three months. Aye. You know you're you were mental. I can't stop the age old thing. I wish you didn't do this, man. You need to get yourself a real get job. a real job. Aye, aye. Well, it was constant. You know, but again, see when you're passionate about. I mean, it's like everything else, isn't it? See when you're passionate about somebody, you don't need somebody to. Right, come on. You don't need somebody to to to. to encourage you to do it all the time you know you just do it because you're obsessed with it Aye. you know I'm spending every last penny that I had in records mate you know if I had three quid in my pocket four quid you know I would go down to 23rd and buy one record that particular day because mm-hmm. it was just all about getting your record collection Aye, and walk up the road and walk up the road because I was literally a five I was a ten minute walk for 23rd mm. you know it was just I was just at the top of the town you know and 23rd was in obviously in Bass Street you know, but you, you, what I meant by that was that you'd spend your last penny just to get that. Tu- I, 
Ah, you wouldn't even get the bus. You would, like you say, you would walk. You know, in order to get it's that good. record. It's amazing that you had access to Twenty Third because, again, just through talking to other other folk that day with we day, the record shop was pretty much the internet back then. That was the hub. That was where you met other folk that was into what you were, or a chat room if you want. Because it. it was so hard to find people who had the sh- same interests as in, you know, real passion for music or, or, or you know, music production kind of thing. So like, the, the record show almost became like the internet, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah. or that hub. Because, you, you, you know, your mates and that, I have these into it, but they don't want to know just as much as you want to know. But it was when you met other DJs or whatever, you know, as in what's the next big tune and check this out or learning... I don't know what the next best mixer is or whatever it is that you know and that's that that's kind of strikes me now like because you, you would have cut your ear off wouldn't you to get any kind of information on how to do this better or the right oh, way to do it 100% you know again you just you just picked that up from listening to tapes other DJs you know I remember hearing my, my first Mark Smith tape and just getting it I'm, I'm miles away from that Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's that at that early age. Obviously, Mark had been doing it a lot longer than than me at that particular point. Know that I'm trying to justify that. You know, he was just a, a, an incredible DJ in my and still is. But back then, you know, hearing his mixtapes at the beginning, you know, in the early nineties, just going at wow, he's scratching and he's mixing and he's playing acapellas over mm-hmm. other tracks and stuff like that, and just being really creative with the way he was the way he was DJing, but going back to 23rd, I, I mean, I remember seeing Qtex's first ever gig in 23rd, mate. Wow. So I did, you know, it was, I think they just signed to Limbo. So they did, and I remember Alan and um, Scott and, and stuff like that been in there setting up, and I just went down to buy records at that. Why you did, what, you didn't even know it was on it just one Saturday no, doing the show? One Saturday, I think it might have been a through the week shot, to be honest. Well, when um, they, were all, they were there set up, and I, I stood and watched them playing the equator or the equator EP and stuff right early stuff you know and it was it was mad you know but just again just hearing all these sounds all the different sounds that you weren't used to it was just it was just it was just a magical time is that you do you think is that one of your maybe first kind of you started pricking up your ears on music production then for that encounter or is that is that slowly coming in while you're DJing you want to know I, how you make this music I, well, I'd always I'd always had keyboards growing up and I was always playing me piano riffs and all that carry on anyway mm-hmm. my man dad used to always buy me keyboards again no thinking that I was I was never interested in music you know what it was like music in school mate it was fucking triangles and right. shit like that you know it was it was nothing that captured my imagination it was just another subject that you had to do and get it out the road sort of yeah. thing you know to get through the day but even then just seeing Scott and that do their thing no it still didn't it still didn't light that kind of fire within me to, to, to find out how I was still on my wee DJing journey aye, at that particular point you know and collecting records and you know I wasn't that um, I wasn't that interested it was it wasn't until I started doing Hanger and met Trevor and obviously met you guys and stuff like that that then I was giving it then then I was then I, I had that passion for that Instantly, Aye. as much as I did for the DJ sort of thing. Ah, okay. So, when m- 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 you seen Qtex or whatever, you'd maybe had that record or that was, oh, I'll check that record out or that new yeah. signing. Yeah. You've got your residency in the Mayfair. How, how's that grown? Have you seen dance music t- 
taking over kind of thing is your set's getting longer are you are you then getting booked or getting to try and do gigs other places how's how's that growing I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It wasn't that long. I mean, when I say a residency, it was, I was almost a residency, but they were putting you on if they felt like it. Aye. No, you know, it was, it was, wasn't it? Like that's you getting paid, and you know, I never get paid in the Mayfair ever. You know, I, you know, I was just, I was, I was going there as a clubber and uh-huh. hopefully getting a shot in the decks at that particular point. You know, but then there wasn't that many people playing that sort of music within the city and you're making me tapes up and then before you know it you've got the Mardi Gras you've got Heaven and so many know, amazing clubs in the city that time weren't there you know then growing you had Sucker and stuff like that Darren was doing his thing and there was loads of clubs so I started getting asked to play again I still wasn't getting paid you know but you started to get that wee following within the city it wasn't massive but it was big enough to generate a wee bit of your buzz that you could maybe get a couple of gigs here, there and everywhere, you know, within the, within the city. And it wasn't until Trevor started working in 23rd. Had you and known, he, you never known Trevor before? I didn't know Trevor at that point, but he'd heard of me DJ, well, obviously in 23rd when he moved up and started, he'd, he'd heard of me DJing around about the city, you know, and that's when obviously the the Hangar 13 it wasn't the Hangar 13 he was DJing in the Bobby Jones at that particular uh-huh. point and I started going to the Bobby Jones and hearing Trevor playing some amazing hearing and hard for it I think I, I actually seen I think that was the night you guys played in the Bobby Jones that he played hard for a couple aye, of times aye that was his first time playing the record I think that night aye, ever aye, aye I remember seeing you guys in, the, in Bobby Jones I think that's the first time I'd seen the Sonic so it was in Bobby Jones mm-hmm. that must have been still early mate yeah, that must I have think been, that would have been a 91 aye aye I think you're right tail end of 91 maybe yeah aye so that's that was that was that kind of progression and going down there and just so you're just like can I get to know Trevor as a DJ because like I mean two that's two DJs that you've you've mentioned that I I just feel that don't get enough credit that they actually deserve Mark Smith and and Trevor you know like Mm. you know really kind of influential kind of big players back then weren't they kind of thing you know and, and, and what I liked about Trevor is is it, it just seemed to I don't know if taking somebody under the wings are the right thing but he did you know like he, he sort of and in, in an industry it's kind of selfish mm-hmm. even back then he's like bringing young DJs like yourself and yeah. you know Neil Skinner and yeah. everybody at the hangar or Bobby's they would give him a, a, a shot whereas that way where a lot of people say I've worked so hard to do this I'm not going to give somebody else you know a show yeah. or whatever I just I, I think Trevor's been amazing for that through the I, I, I think early I think I, I think it helped I think it helped that we were in early doors as well mate before that kind of real explosion right everybody went Oof, you know I want to do that and all can make a right few quid here you know and Trevor on on suspectingly was getting people and let, let's not kid ourselves everybody was driven at that point and Trevor was driven as well you know yeah, but yeah. you know it, it was incredible that he was getting you know other guys opportunities I don't I think I maybe DJ that the Bobbies maybe once played a couple of records towards the end and stuff like that, but I wasn't going down there to try and get a gig in the Bobbies and then I was mm-hmm. going down there to see Big Trevor I was interested in what he was playing and seeing new bands like yourself coming in playing and stuff like that so it was all that explosion of the kind of Scottish racing but I I mean guys like Trevor and Mark you know they're just 
in our field because there was all we did you had street raving and all that doing their thing yeah, and oh well the place sucks some guys doing their thing and all that you know and, um, but we were that kind of caught up in the rainbow bubble you know it was incredible what Trevor was doing within the, the scene at that point even Joe as well you know what I mean let's not forget Mr Deacon right. well you were saying what you used to give the guys at the Mardi Gras records I used to give Joe records to play but the thing with Joe at the seat at the end of it, he wouldn't want to give you back, try to bump you and all that. <laughs> Fucking cunt. <laughs> and I remember hundreds of times, man, arguing with him, that's mine. That's fucking mine. No, no, where you go, wee man, that's mine. No, that like fucking... Oh, nobody like... I can have been... I've actually been raising it. You're a fucking dick, no, that. All that kind of stuff. Because you've maybe like your last penny or something like that. He's fucking what a stick it in his bag. No, give you oh, back. Mate, mate I, I'd have hunted him down. Aye. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd have stood there until he gave me it back. I wouldn't have left it. The bouncers would have had to have dragged me out of the feet. Aye, nine times out of ten, but I was tripping or something anyway, so it was like even worse. I was like, oh, is that mine? Where am I? But uh, aye, right, so, like, I mean, your DJing career, your doing other kind of guest spots and all that, was Hanger, like, the next aye. big kind of change? Yeah, yeah, well, the next big change for me. So, <laughs> So you're still been DJing running about Scotland and stuff like that yeah. and still buying records and still yeah. making a name for yourself. What's what's Trevor seen in you to invite you down to hang? How did that was you right in at the start? Because I remember when that opened it was just like fucking hell. I this was is right incredible. At the start. I, I, we had we had a meeting in that and Trevor asked me, look, we're, we're, we're thinking about doing this um doing a club in the a pavilion. Um name that hanger 13 and stuff like that. Remember come up can't remember where the conversation was to be fair. Um might have been in the record shop in 23rd. I can't I can't actually remember. Um but I, I um I remember him talking about it and, <clears throat> and saying look we'd like to get you involved, you know. Again he's 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 seen the young boy for Glasgow, you know, that could probably pull punters Bring a from crowd. a business point of view. I'm just thinking, you know, this is another great opportunity for me. I was never going to say not again financially. You know, I probably it, it cost me me to get in there. Mm-hmm. You know, time I was the time I was um, having fun at the little chef. Well. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just so it was just right as you walked in the door, sort of uh, thing. Timing. Uh, you got to get the timing right, mate. And um, uh, it was just a brilliant opportunity, and, 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 and you know, one that I was again. Incredibly, incredibly grateful that he, that he that he gave me that opportunity. You know, I, I, and I say all the time, you know, it's just you know, I'll never forget. I'll never forget what Trevor actually done for me at the, at the beginning. You know, gave me that opportunity to get into hangar. Because that's and that's a club. That's a a, a rave or whatever. Two thousand people, or whatever, every week. Every week, mate. I mean, even like for playing nightclubs to then come and play in Hangar, that must have blew your mind. You know, looking out and just going, wow. It did, mate. You know, that first night, I think DTF played in the opening night, and um, it was just, you couldn't fit any more people in, mate. It was just, again, seeing you guys play there, and Q-Tex, and... Every, every band, wasn't it? Another Sun smashed in there. Just, it was just, it was just a brilliant, a brilliant atmosphere, and, and you know, if you were going down there with clean trainers on, you'd, you'd have been as well going somewhere else, you know, it was just one of the places you know and let's not kid ourselves everybody was out their granny's tights and you know they were hanging for the rafters and it was just that particular time it was it was your time sort of thing you know you know and you know 
whether was you were... Was that about 93, Davey? It opened, was it 93? Oh, aye, it was 93, mate, aye. Uh, it was 90, I'm sure it was 93. Um, but again, I, I never lasted that long there. Yeah, I did. I didn't last that long. Excel podcast. At that time as well, you can have to go, wow, you've got higher 2,000 people, you've got Metro, must have been about the same numbers or thereabouts. You've got every nightclub in the city. You've got all-nighters, big raves happening every weekend just about. I remember there'd been like, oh, like two old, massive all-nighters in the same weekend and crazy yeah. stuff like that going on. But people were going out and yeah. enjoying themselves and... It wasn't just Glasgow in the West, mate. It was in the East Stirling. It was Aye. up in Elgin. It was in Falkirk. It was all over Scotland. You know, any space that you could put a set of decks and a, and a sound system in, yep. people were putting raves on. That's what calling them at the time, you know. People were putting on parties. You know, it was just incredible. So you're doing your, your hangar gigs and also there's people travelling all over the UK going to hangar. Is that when people started getting in touch with you going, do you fancy playing here? Do you fancy playing there? Aye, aye, mate. You know, but it was a wee bit it was a wee bit exclusive, mate. You know, it's just at the beginning when I was doing hangar, you know, Trevor was clever as well. He, he was clever because he wasn't booking any DJs. Mm-hmm. He would book bands, but he wouldn't book any DJs. He was very, very clever. I mate. never even thought about that until you have just said that. You know that? Mm-hmm. So he never made it about because other clubs were booking DJs yeah. and it was always even just now it was always about okay I'm not going there such and such is not playing there or I'm going there because they are playing there uh-huh. whereas Trevor Bolt he was coming from the old school days where it was all about the, the resident the DJs residents. it doesn't uh-huh. matter what, what band's playing you always knew and me all due respect me and Neil were doing my stuff there. I'd go and smash the, the latest things out I'd get my wee half through a 40 minutes where I'd play all the latest things all the north stuff all the harder stuff that maybe suited certain pockets and people liked that but Trevor was a DJ and he was a fucking tremendous DJ at that mate you know he could hold a crowd start to finish mm-hmm. there was parts of his sets that I didn't like but he wasn't playing for me or the, the 50 or 60 or 100, 200 people in a corner somewhere that liked all the harder stuff. He was playing for everybody, mate. Aye, aye. And I suppose, in a sense, he taught me loads of stuff, you know, about being a DJ. Yeah. You know, about, you know, it's good playing all the new stuff and all the upfront stuff and all your own stuff, but you still need to be a DJ. You still need to keep people dancing. Keep everybody in the room happy, kind of thing. And he was clever at that, you know, and he kept that resident DJ vibe. People went down doesn't matter you didn't need to put a band on but you would go down and see Trevor, um, Trevor Davey and Neil and you know yep. you'd have a fucking brilliant night you know regardless about everything Neil would play all the super cool stuff left field and manic and all that at the beginning you know Trevor would do his thing and I'd get my wee half hour 40 minutes to do my thing you know play all the whatever it was you know and Trevor would just go on and do his thing again you know it was just brilliant and so then that's when the production's interests I, came about yeah, and yeah, that's that's when it started to. Um, how, was it Trevor? I'm, I'm also you could correct it here, but I'm I'm, I'm going to say Hanger EP was that the yeah. first kind of thing? Or? Yeah, yeah. I remember you and Roger being about Trevor's house as well, mate. I remember meeting you and Trevor's. Uh-huh. You know, I was probably just still the young wee guy. You know that. You know, it's just kind of in the back or whatever you know but I remember you and Roger coming down and Trevor had his EPS and Neil was there you were there Roger was there and 
you know, I think you were might, I think you or Roger might have been showing Trevor a couple of wee bits and pieces on the Sonic at the time. I, I had, I had no long go it, and we put a couple of Sonic things out, and I was raving about it. And right. I this is the age, obviously, and and I said to look, Trevor was asking, "What do you need?" And at that time, I was like, "That's all you need. That keyboard is all you need." Right, and so I think it. he no longer, it, it, no longer after that, he bought, he bought one. Uh-huh. And I think that I came down and try to show him how to work it, you I know, for whatever I knew. I think that might have been the first night he'd maybe even switched it on. Right, wow. But he might have, it might have been, I don't, I can't remember, mate, but I remember you and Roger doing, showing him bits and pieces on it, you know, and uh-huh. I just thought I'd a bit the back, getting samples and stuff like that. But it wasn't until I seen that keyboard, mate, that's when... Everything clicks. That's when everything clicks, mate. That's when I was getting it right. This is what I like. This is the next... Again, unconsciously, subconsciously, whatever, you know. This is, this, and that, that grabbed my imagination more than the DJing, to be fair. Wait, like, what you could do with it? Aye. That's when I was getting up front, oh, this is how you do it. Because uh-huh. that, prior to that, my brain just couldn't calculate how people made music. Aye, aye. You know, I, I knew there was drum machines and all the rest of it, mate, but I just couldn't, my brain couldn't fathom out how it was done. I remember Neil Skinner saying to me around about that time MC Cyclone it was like how do you d-? this is what he said to his David Wright it was like how do you get that beat behind the loop beat and I was like what are you talking about and he was like the you know the the drum behind the loop beat and mm-hmm. I just had like a, like, just like a rave loop and then I put a 909 kick oh, under it and he was like is that all you did and I was thinking to myself how, how would you know know that Mm-hmm. But at yeah, the time, we never knew. We were all just learning on the spot, and just like the simplest things, you know. It, I don't know. Yeah, there's no internet. There's no YouTube to go. Score, all right, that's how you do it. It's hard to be somebody going. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And then I remember seeing him going. Is that it? No. And kind of thinking, fuck, there isn't really anything special. But aye, that's that's all you need to do. Aye. So I wasn't even twenty at that time, mate. I think I was maybe. I think I was only 20. I think I just turned 20, 19, 20 at that particular point. I think it might have been 19, mate. No, maybe 20. When all that was kicking about. And it was my 21st birthday and I told my ma, and all the money that I made for my 21st, I went out and bought, I went and bought an Akai, a 950. Bro, so what a fucking sampler, man. I'm still, still sitting there, mate. You know, it's just... Um, Aye, aye, again, and aye, so doing the, the wee bits and pieces with Trevor, but it wasn't long after that that I'd left Hanger. I get, actually, going back to your question earlier, I get booked for Resurrection, mate. So but before, before we go there, David, sorry, had you already recorded like the Hanger EP? Aye, with aye. So, who, who did that come out under? What? Because that's um, your first kind of... Core Records, mate. It was written, again, 23rd. But who, what was the band? Active Force. Active Force, which was you, Trevor, and Neil. Yeah. And, and what, you're just bringing samples and you're basically writing all the APS? I just writing on the APS, mate, at the beginning, I that core EP. So it was, we done it on EPS. And you're just going, I, I can fucking do this. Get me, I need to get fucking the stuff to do this. You know, but my, my, my brain is fucking... Aye. Non-stop, non-stop, just couldn't stop thinking about it. Mate, I need to get this, I need to get that. You're just, you're just obsessed with it, mate. Right. You know, you just... You know, it's bizarre, isn't it? You know, it's bizarre how you can get something can, you know, and you know, capture your imagination as much Aye. as that capture, you know, your attention. 
So what, why did you know buy an EPS? What made you then just go, I'm going to get an S950? Because that was that was the sampler back then. Obviously, you talked to other folk because there's a few other folk. Yeah. What, what was you what what made you use your 21st money to get an S9? You know, what did what did you buy? I think Mark Mark Smith had an archive and, right. and stuff at that time, you know, and I think maybe Trevor had moved. To computer sequencing and stuff like that as well. Sequencing at that point as well, mate. I think they still had EPS, but I'm sure he might have moved to computer sequencing at that point. The Atari 1040 and the Akai. No, he didn't, mate. He didn't. He might correct me, but I remember. I can't actually remember, Mark. I, I don't know. I don't know who it was. Or who had one at that particular point? I'd actually need to ask Trevor. That'd be a good question to ask Trevor. How? Because I remember asking people how to use it, the 950, and I can't ever remember asking Trevor uh-huh. how to use the 950. You know, I think it might have been Mark Smith, and he just gave me a basic rundown how to do the, the edit um, key range and all that, yeah. and the key groups and stuff like that. And uh, I remember. I remember having it in my, in my dad's work at the time, I had a wee duke it. He used to try to sell fucking catering equipment. I'm in there with a screen at the ass, you know what I mean? With a hardcore on, you know. I had that archive, I had a, I had a wee keyboard and a set of dodgy speakers. Um, Tommy Gorman gave me a, an affection at me that didn't work in. It's bizarrely, I see Tommy if I'm gigging away and I always meet him in Heathrow. And his place is just round the corner. I mean, he's all over the world doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, you know, is it sound control or something? He's, uh, environmental stuff he's still doing? I, no? I, I, I'm not too sure, mate. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but uh, he's still doing his thing. So, yeah. in, your, in the sort of place of your dad's work, you've got your first basic setup, which is an S950, an effects thing. You know, your computer sequencing? I, I, obviously. I, I, I've got an eight-channel mixing disc, phonic mixing disc, eight-channel. Right. That's all at the office. <laughs> 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 but that's your setup, and you're just getting in it about hammering out dance music for the Pretty first much, time, mate. your own stuff. Pretty much, mate, aye. The first record that I wrote, mate... No, I'm lying. I'm Tell lying. me it's Applets now. No, it wasn't it. I wasn't it. <laughs> Apolips now, I was going to say that because Apolips now came after Backer. Scott d- putting a few things out in Baby Boom. Right. I could do that. And I wrote it and obviously I will I, I, I mean, we'll get I, to that. I, but what, I what was the first kind of... Because then I was, what I was going to say is you're starting to write music and you've you've maybe, you've left Hangar then you're doing gigs at Resurrection which was another big Scottish rave for, well, I don't know, it was 6,000 plus, 10,000 even. But we did it. We, we started doing the active force, and Trevor. I don't know if you were always ever up at that place. Trevor and Dennis McBride opened a wee studio in Damarnock. No, I never went. No. no, and we moved the active force stuff. We started. We wrote the had like a Pac Man in there and stuff like that. I mean, I'll, just, I'll be I'll be honest, and Trevor and Neil will probably maybe might think otherwise, but this is only my side of things. You know, oh, it's your story, mate. Aye, aye, aye. You know, when we were doing that. They went and done the future. We obviously Misha. Misha. So they did. They went and done the future, and they didn't cut me out or anything like that. You know, it's just it, what happened. Happened. You know, they uh-huh. went and done the future and all that, and 
was a wee bit disappointed maybe looking back maybe I wanted to be a part of that as well oh, I don't know how I, 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 don't, I honestly don't know how I was near, I, I don't mean that in a bad way I don't know how I was near a part of that yeah. but I don't know how it all kind of evolved and stuff like that the conversations it might just be, be Trevor die witness playing at the hangar and stuff like that and maybe you've yeah. you've moved and left the hangar at the time maybe no, or no I was still there at that right, point okay. I, was still, I was still there at that point and, and they'd went and done the friction and stuff like that and I so I wasn't 21 I think this is the timeline so then when they went and done that I went oh well we're doing that to force stuff together Scott's been asking me to do music with him for ages and I went and done I went and done a track with Scott so I did called Psychotic Mayhem mm-hmm. but I never told Trevor and Neil right right and then I did I only told them when I get the test pressings through uh-huh. If I remember, I remember showing them the test press at the time, they might think, oh, it doesn't matter, it's just, again, it's my wee journey, my wee story, uh-huh. they've got theirs and stuff like that. And I remember doing Psychotic Mayhem. So that was probably my first, that was my first solo track on Twisted Vinyl, mate. That would have yeah. been great working with Scott back then, because he's got loads of releases under his belt, even then at that time, didn't he? I, mate, I just wanted to be Scott. Scott uh-huh. was my absolute hero back then, wow. mate. So it was, you know, even when I listen to him, all my old hardcore stuff, I'm kind of, man, I'm just trying to rip him off at every given turn, you know? Uh-huh. That was the sound that I was into. I was into Q-Tex. I was into, you know, that was the, the uh, he was my Carol Cox. He was my, uh-huh. he was my, the, my kind of guy that I looked up to in a production side of things, you know what I mean? I just wanted to, you know, I just thought his stuff was, everything the gun was just brilliant, mate. I think so he was good. so switched on to the, the business and, the incredible. potential hangs so quickly and yeah and likewise with you guys as well you know you and Roger you've just obviously seen that potential early doors and just ran with it you know aye you but for him setting up the labels and stuff like that and all the different projects and mind blowing mate absolutely so, blowing you just go to Cumbernauld for a couple of days at his house yeah, aye, smashed out a couple of tunes smashed out a couple of tunes mate aye I took some samples through and he just went wild on his wee SPA. SP12 or something, is it? SP12, aye, there ought to be sliders. Aye, aye, aye. Actually, he's moving sliders and hitting buttons, you know, it just, it just blew my mind, mate. They're an absolute fortune, you can't I know. make them now, but they're crazy, though, to try and get one of those nowadays. Aye, so I've I done that, and I think maybe that's where. Um, and Trevor was busy as well he was busy doing other things and then me and Neil started to run with the active force thing then I get asked to get I get booked for resurrection and I think that was for maybe the beginning of the end for me at Hangar because um, you broke ranks and went and done a gig elsewhere kind I, of thing I, I think so mate I, again it was just you know I mean Trevor are still extremely friendly at the time you know but I, that's when I maybe broke ranks a wee bit and went but in saying that, I went and done Resurrection, then went back to the hangar, so I was still, I was still DJing at the hangar, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But, um, and then you've yeah. got like, the test pressing with the track you've done with Scott, and uh, I mean, always, I think you're maybe just growing apart, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's that maybe just, I'm just, maybe that driven and trying to force my own wee, wee path in, in, in the scene, you know, in the industry. Um, I so then, then I, then, uh, you know, I left, um, hanger, a left hanger. I remember where I was. I think it was in, I can't remember the bar. It was in Union Street. 
I think it was Trevor and um, I know it may have been Trevor Dennis or Fraser. I can't remember just saying like you know it's kind of ran its course and stuff like that. And I'm kind of kind of disappointed, but you know it ran its course and um, it was probably for the best anyway. You know, you know I just kind of went and done my because I was prolific even back then, mate. Once I got my gear, you know I was just churning them at one mm-hmm. after the other. It was just non-stop. No, I just wanted to flood the market one after the other. You know, where maybe Mark spend three or four months I was smashing it three in a week sort of thing you know putting out stuff in Scots label then started to get stuff on all the Dutch labels and started getting bookings in Holland and stuff like that even still maybe 94, 95 How did that feel first sort of international because that's the one that just you go holy fuck innit when you get that international booking your first time it it comes real didn't it oh mate I I remember signing Apocalypse now, I remember. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I remember saying Apocalypse now, and I remember going up to the post office in Sight Hall. The woman, they just got to know me because I was always sending demos away and sending stuff yeah. to Scott or sending stuff abroad. And you know, you're in a housing scheme in Springburn, mate. You know, shit like that doesn't happen. Aye, uh, pure talk with pops, innit? Ah, you don't see me guys get up to the post office with, you know, jiffy bags and everything else, sending tapes away to Holland and wherever else it was it just didn't happen mate you know and I remember getting this phone call it was Stiden Fountain Well Place at the time and I remember getting the wee studio was in there that was like, that was after I'd done the Prince's Trust and got my money went and put a business plan together to go that's to right so you did that you know got five grand soft loan and bought bits and desk and up JV 10 10 80 and stuff like that and I remember getting a phone call mate and that um, they wanted to sign it and I remember running Obviously, your living room was big enough that you could run right around it and you didn't need to touch the flare. You know, if you wine couch to the other, just uh-huh. elated me. Uh-huh. You know, I, I honestly couldn't believe it. I, Is I there money, believe was it. there money involved then, Davey? Was there an advance? Oh, yeah. The I, money I, was crazy advanced. back then, wasn't it? I, I think it might have been 1,500 guilders at the time. You know, uh-huh. it, was, it was decent though, mate. It was decent cash, you know, again. There's loads of money flying about then. Back then, when we were doing gigs, you were doing two C gigs a week, mate. Cut about the mobile phones about that size. No, but, but, but then just, the bizarre thing about it is, is you would equally have done it for nothing because oh. the passion and the drive was there. But it was, it was also this amazing bonus to get dough. That's it. I'm getting paid today, this man. I, I remember when I, you know, when I moved my stuff into my and I get a gig, the phone went in my dad's office because I usually put the, your phone number on the record. And I remember, I remember this this was this wasn't so much the, the Dutch gigs, the Rave of City gigs, the kind of they were big twenty thousand gigs or fifteen thousand, whatever it was, and and the Hague. But I remember because that came direct, but I remember we got, got a few gigs in Switzerland and that, and my dad's like, there's a guy on the phone for Switzerland for you. You know, and I'm getting it the buy sell pattern on the phone yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. Money and all that, and I remember, my, I remember looking at my dad's face, and I could see he was proud. You oh, know proud that, as much, aye. You know, and I could see, and I could see that that transition he went from because he had his business. I think he wanted me to fully him and help him, which I did do. But I was that passionate that I wanted to do my own thing, and I could see it in his eye that he's like, you know, my boys, my my kids actually, he's actually make, forging a, a wee career for himself doing aye. this stuff. Again, likewise, when you were doing it, mate, with your parents and stuff like that, you know, you know, I'm sure that they'd have felt the same. And well, f- 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 tell to get a real job. 
to know you are doing it and he's seeing you aye. and he's gone he's saying man now isn't it? he's doing what he wants to do you're paying your flights accommodation and paying your money to go out there you know to play records you know aye. just even think about that in the 90s mate imagine what's going through your parents seed. you know what somebody's going to pay you and going to fly you over there aye. to play records looking at eye and they're just, they just probably doesn't even compute it's you mental isn't it Oh, it's, it's bonkers, mate. See the first Sonic gig that we get booked uh, outside the UK. It was uh, what do they call it again? Uh, Mayday in Germany, 1994, wow. right? Wow. Club scene made us get two security guards to go because they were going. This is, you know, forty thousand folk. You're going to need protection because because they're coming for like Kylie and Jason and big fun and all that madness. I remember yeah. going, what the fuck's all this about? <laughs> but then I suppose, and, and even like your mom, I, you were fucking what, you're going away over there? Did yeah. they, you know, like, that's a bit, bit, you know, you're chuffed, but you're going, it's a bit fucking mad, isn't it? Somebody's yeah, pining yeah. you there and there, you need to look after yourself and all that. And I remember like fucking club scene, booking two security get, but we all end up mad with ease and stuff like that and fucking <laughs> <laughs> Fucking gutted, man. Um, but it was such a mad, you know. And, and like you're saying, you, you're not, but, but you're not, you're you're de- taking a phone call. You're dealing with the business side yourself. Whereas I, I had like it's early days. It, it was fucking club scene for a good few years. Uh, you're doing all that, the business. I could see how your your dad's fucking proud as punch, you know, because. Yeah. And and but then you're gone earlier, and that's the great unknown. But that's the fucking big thing. I think you really think I fucking I'm doing this when you get your European booking. Hi, hi, as mate. You know, I think a big, big, big turning point for me was getting resurrection, mate. Right. So as you know, I said I remember it's coming back to me. Now, I remember sending a tape away. It is and putting on a hangar 13 resident and stuff like that and they probably went back and done their due diligence and looked at the flyers and all that uh-huh. and they picked me because they know that I'm going to I just probably I just probably just been that wee guy just I'm sending a tape where Trevor was just he was a main man at the hangar so that was his main focus whereas I was I was part of it but I wasn't the, I wasn't not that I wanted to be by any stretch of the imagination I was just delighted to be there and be a part of it yeah. but I sent a tape away to um, Resurrection and, the, and I put my phone number in my mom's my mom, dad's house and again in sight hill and um, them calling the house you know and me and I can't remember the girl's name that used to run it I can't Becky. remember Becky aye she, she, phoned, she phoned the house you know and I remember I remember I remember getting 300 quid for it I remember the price that I gave them and it says right no problem you know I remember getting 300 quid 1994 or whatever else it was, you know, my man and dad's just going, wow. Wow. They're just going, wow, you know, and, and that, was a, that was a huge turning point for me getting that gig. It was a... It was an amazing gig. gig. Did you enjoy the gig and all? It was a different way to deemed it to be? Aye, it was. It was. I've done a couple more and active force ended up doing it and, you know, it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was good times. But again, it's just, the international, there could have been many DJs in the UK at that time, mate. I don't even think there was any English guys gigging in Holland at that particular point or in Europe. I think it probably yourself. Well, you're calling calling deals and all that. Yeah. These could Dave Angels guys were kind of doing this yeah. circuit because they they kind of I think they sat in between rave and hard stuff. You know that techno kind of thing. Yeah. I always yeah. remember seeing they guys, but yeah. no very like you're saying, no very many guys because you could forget 
and think the guys were maybe like Americans because yeah. they want uh, they want like a hardcore DJ or whatever yeah. you know they're very much the rain hang uh-huh. but you're right there wasn't a lot of people travelling or I tagged DJ Isaac and uh, obviously he's doing his thing the hard style and that, but I tagged I tagged DJ Isaac a photo I think it was Jack that took the photo we were doing Rave the City in the Hague it was Isaac DJ Norman and another dude which was probably Isaac's pal and I tagged him in and he tagged the other dude that did that I didn't know uh-huh. and he was blown away because he's obviously never seen that photo before and it was only just recently that I tagged him in it and I still speak to um, the Dark Raver and stuff like that you know he's, he's tagged me in a few because they're all at the beginning of their journeys then as well when it's all blown up for them isn't it? Ah, they're all... they, were, they were huge even back then Dark Raver Gizmo and stuff like that they were, they were obviously Isaac obviously again hi, it's the beginning of their, their journey but they, even then they had it locked in over there didn't they even the promoters and stuff like that aye ah, big business nah, it was next level stuff mate so it was been the it, it was predominantly the kind of hardcore side of things that you're doing and then I remember I, I don't know maybe your timeline's kind of different 96, 97 things started to the music started to change and maybe people were I don't know if the love folk, there was still a big love for the hardcore but people were kind of looking for the new thing yeah where, where did you find because find you were very much at the forefront smashing out like you're saying Hannah's are hardcore releases and all that and we've yeah. spoke about it a good few times but where did you find yourself when 97 I think it was 1997 Fubar um, with Neil and I remember saying to Neil that's it I'm done I'm, I'm, I'm done with the full hardcore I was done with it. you know I didn't like the music I didn't like what was getting released there was no vibe and I had the studio in my flat in Sight Hall at the time. And I remember saying to myself, all through my life, I'd done things and got to where I was happy getting to within what I was doing at that point, chucking it and moving on to something else, chucking it and moving on to something else, you know, getting to where I want to get to. Mm. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to do this with this. I've, I've invested too much time and energy. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and see this through. I'm gonna I'm going I'm not gonna chuck it now. I'm I'm not gonna sell the equipment and a lot of guys did. Yeah, yeah. Good jobs and stuff like that. And I just I I I virtually locked my myself in a room for two years, mate, in my living room for two years, pretty much. I just locked myself in my living room. I, I think a couple just of Try to find a new sound. Yep, just try to find a new sound. I had stopped buying records, mate. I was getting still getting sent loads of records. You know, I, I stopped the final cut on club scene, the record that I'd done, I stopped. That was my last track, hardcore track. And do you know what? I look back and I was I was probably at the pinnacle, I was at the best that I could be when I was writing that sort of stuff, mate. When I listened to my other stuff, to the stuff at the end, you know, I was I, I got really good at it, you know. Yeah. When I looked back, the production was decent and, you know, even the harder stuff, I thought, you know what? That's pretty good, you know. I, I, I was proud of what the standard that I got to, but... I just didn't see a future for that sort of music. Mm-hmm. And you listen to things like Newman, all that records, you know, that was all filtering through the XYZ, the Stomping Tunes records, where it was all acid and kind of quite bouncy, German, kind of, you know, and I just kind of, kind of just locked myself in a room for a couple of years, mate. And I probably missed all even when the trans thing was kicking, starting to kick through in about that time. I missed all that as well because I was too busy just trying to forge a track and then I Work wrote out that, where you want to go with it. Aye, then I wrote, I think, the first 
I wrote that a track called Pressure, Propulsion, which mm-hmm. I think you picked up, and that's obviously that was my next step in my journey. When I signed that track to Limbo, Nick Warren had picked up for Global Underground and stuff like that, you know. But again, you look back and it's it's almost progressive house. No, aye, aye. The breakbeats and the strings and all that, you know, and 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 that's when it started to that's when things started to change again for me, mate. It was probably ninety seven, ninety eight. The news were in the snake pit, it? I, I remember like, the propulsion one because we try to do kind of nights and we would, tr- again, Roger and I weren't the DJs by any means, but we would always try and do a DJ set and propulsion yeah. was in the, in, in the books of records that we had at the time. That we, again, we would be playing music and clearing dance floors because we were just so into but he's running the, 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 the trance and the movement because we were kind of like, like we're a lot of folk were kind of just trying to find that new sound we thought we'd find this new sound the way like try to do the early kind of trancey stuff but then doing it at gigs and folk walking away no interested because they wanted hardcore or they just wanted yeah. to hear the tracks that they knew we were kind of going through that frustration I mean you I remember you, seeing you mate. you locked yourself in in your room to try and find you we, we were trying to fucking force something on folk that we thought was the new sound I, just, I mean you were ahead of the game mate in that respect because I remember I remember doing a gig in Ireland and I met you and Roger you probably don't I don't know if you remember but I remember you. I remember meeting you and Roger I don't know if it was a terminal or the sea cat or something like that but we were, we were in Ireland at the time and you I remember you saying to me and me naively, I remember you, you and Roger saying, oh, "Fucking hardcore's finished." And this might have been in '96. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Might be right. You know, I admit, you had pulled the, the you had pulled the record and hardcore, and you had went down the ass in two or three, which was fucking tremendous. But again, I don't think the people were ready for quite aye. ready for it on, the, on the UK shows. On the, you know, they probably were in Germany and stuff like because you were gigging abroad a lot more than anybody else at that particular point. You know, so you were seeing that movement different sounds and whereas people in the UK, Scotland were just they're still in a wee bubble and I remember saying ah oh, fucking hard the top shit man hardcore's not finished you know but it was hardcore never die right. <laughs> you're right mate you know so you know you were ahead of the game in, 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 in that respect but um, I, it's just um, it's just a uh, but you 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 fin you fin your sound then with like the propulsion release and was you still kind of scooting about other styles or did you kind of lock onto that no, progressive kind of sound? I, I didn't know because I wasn't buying any records, mate. Uh-huh. I was just writing music, right? You know, I wasn't listening to anything to try and be like anybody. I'd never even heard a Paul Van Dyke at that particular point, mate. Uh-huh. I think I'd only heard a Paul Van Dyke when I moved into the the Snake Pit into the studio and and the tune with you guys. You know, uh-huh. I'd, I'd heard those guys. In fact, I'm lying. I'm lying. I still, I still hadn't heard the guys like that. Neither did. I, I, you know, I, 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 I wasn't trying to be anybody. I wasn't trying to latch onto any sound because I didn't quite know what, what, what you wanted, wanted to do. I didn't know, mate. You know, and it wasn't. Billy was the only person I knew, label-wise. You know, so he was my first kind of point of contact when it came to just sending music down and, and, mm-hmm. he, and he bitten a few tracks. I was getting all right, and I just kept on. And for him to listen, that's Billy Kilty for 23rd Precinct, Limbo Records and stuff. I remember you coming down and, and to the, the Snake, but how did that come up, come about? Were we were it pals? Or, I, I, remember no, 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 I obviously I knew you, but you phoned me. It was either you or Roger that had phoned me. 
and you got my number off Billy mate and you'd phone me and you were in doing your thing you know I think you were just I think you were just releasing self-releasing your next Sonic album at the time mm-hmm. I don't know what one it was mate you know it, it was chaos I think it would have been we'd done ah, it we yeah, left clubs and started our own label and yeah, yeah. Was that? you were just doing that and you asked me and you says um, you had a wee studio and you wanted me to come down and be an in-house kind of engineer as such in a runabout way you know and, and give me a wage you know which was a small wage but fucking you know I was I wasn't doing nothing at that point I jumped at the chance mate you know I was just just glad to be again be involved in something mm-hmm. again, you, you just gave me the wee studio you know and I'm forever grateful you know, I can't even remember with a fucking get a wage as well, man. I mean, I you gave me it, mate. You did. You gave wow. me it was it was a small wage, uh-huh. like monthly wage. It was it was it was nothing. It was just I but need studio you know, rent or whatever. Can no, I? No, need like, studio rent or anything like that, mate. You know, and and and, and you you got me involved, and I was going to do some bits and pieces for the organisation that you were trying to cater that, if I remember correctly. And for the label as well, we were probably starting up as well. I think it was all. I think it was all hindering on. It was all kind of focused on the album doing well. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was going to kick things on. Um, and it never, just, it never did well because it was. I don't think Scotland was kind of. it just never struck a chord, kind of thing, because it was. I, we get lost in between hardcore and trance, and so it was, it was that funny period, wasn't it, mate? It was that, period and, uh, that nobody knew what they were doing. You know, the trans thing was just starting to kick off the Ibiza thing. Again, probably just a couple of years too early. Mm-hmm. You know, for the way things panned out. So it was, and I just had fucking an abundance of equipment, mate. I hadn't seen fucking that much equipment in all my life. Aye, because it was my, my wee room. It was a fucking cupboard, wasn't it? But it was a brilliant wee room. Aye, aye. And you'd kind of, Roger was in the other room and you were in the bigger room and stuff like that. You know, and I was just in the wee, the wee ducket, mate, which was fucking brilliant. It was a brilliant experience. You know, you know, something that I'll, I'll never forget in there. You know, and again, it just it opened so many doors for me. You know, mm-hmm. that 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 being asked to go into that studio was the start of my full trans career. In a sense, that's what it was. It was the start of the beginning of my my career moving forward to to the present day. Aye, much, mate. Because I remember as well. When you were in there and every now and again, I'm sure it was CDRs you'd fucking gaze and all that kind of stuff. And I remember being in my flat, which was again just across the road, and and listening to one of your demo. I'm sure it was a CDR or something because it, it was a track. It was a CD of about ten tracks. Aye, aye. Like and because uh, I was actually thinking about this when I was thinking that you and I sitting down and talking about it and I remember and it's no very often this has ever happened is it was in that CDR it was it was fucking just blasting on my house I was probably rough as toast on a Sunday and the track made me stun up like I fucking it's there it's playing I don't know what I'm, if I'm sitting on the couch or so, I don't know but I remember stunning up and going what the fuck's that and it, mm. and it was and it was never. I don't even know if I had a track name at the time, but it was it was questions. Yeah. And then coming into you and going, "What the fuck's that track? It's fucking amazing, that, man!" Mate. I remember that. I remember that clear as day, mate. I do remember that. So I did. And again, it was through your contacts that you know that track got to where it got to, mate. You know where where because um, you obviously done a few things on Telica. That's right, Eve. 
That's how it ended up in these Because you sent it to Stephen Lepresti uh-huh. And, and you fucking signed it Wow And they signed it Right mate And that's Amazing. how it all came about I couldn't even tell you what it is about that track and I bet you you don't even know what it is about that track but there's something about it on a different level that just connects with folk and that's how it's such a big track I think I mean again it's cliche again mate but it was the quickest track I ever wrote I only wrote it to the breakdown done the breakdown done the drop and copy and pasted it was the first time I'd ever done it and copy and pasted the 32 bar section into the breakdown and put it at the end and it was done it was mm-hmm. done in a day you know it was done in jig time mate and again it was just another track on a CD with a, 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 a bundle of other tracks Aye. you know I didn't think nothing of it it just it was just another track you know I didn't think when I wrote it oh that's class Aye. I got Lenny the Waldorf for a few aye that was in the Duke it wasn't it the Waldorf aye that was the first time I got the Waldorf thing I was using the S3 200 at the time so it was and I had my own desk and stuff like that and what was the kind of inspiration for that track David because there's also this trance elements in there ah, it was Madagascar mate it was that a trance Madagascar I wanted to try and do something like that mm-hmm. so so I did you know that was that was my aim to try and do something like that track it was that a trance Madagascar Ferry Corson remix I'm sure I mean so, you're, you're pumping out other releases then as well weren't there and then I'm just trying to think because it came out on Eve and then was it a, a wee bit later on that they then again get picked up or was it quite I, quick? I, no, it came out on Eve, mate, as a white label. It was out for a year. Right. It was out for 12 months, then it got picked up. And I remember Virgin on the phone and it wasn't through me, it was through Stephen. You know, they were doing pretty decent deals on, in their own right at that time. You know, but I don't think they'd had one as big as that at that particular point. But I remember Virgin on being on the phone, you know... Universal was on the phone, you know, they were okay. It ended up a wee bit of a bidding war. Aye. So it did, and I think we ended up, we never went for the most money, mate. Maybe we did, you know, Sirius was obviously on the phone, which was through Universal, but, you know, I, I remember. Kind of going for the right label rather than the I right think, wage. I think Virgin had offered more money for it, mate, you know, but again, this was money, it's just numbers that I'd never seen in my life, mate. Just, again, you know, we, we'd all been gigging and stuff. You know, and making decent money as DJs back in the hardcore days, being skint for two, I mean, like, skint on my ass for two years, you know, coming down to um, you guys' studio and starting to get my, starting to hear what you were doing and, you know, and just all different sounds were coming into play and hear you and Roger playing stuff. And it was, you know, it was kind of influencing what I was doing, you know, probably vice versa. And mm-hmm. it was just a good wee creative hub that time, wasn't it? Even with bands up the stairs and all that, just fucking everything. Brilliant! It was absolutely, it was, it was, it was absolutely, it was amazing, mate. It was, it was just, it was tremendous. It was a great learning experience for me as well. So it was, you know, just meeting guys like Eddie and and Paul and guys, you know, just amazing musicians in the room, right? You no know, songwriters, musicians, you know, they were just, it was just a great. It was a great hub and a, a great experience. So it was, you know, it was it was tremendous. Again, just having access to different sounds and different equipment. You know, obviously Mark Kerr and Jim Kerr, um, you know, being run about and you know they were leaving keyboards and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And thousands upon thousands of pounds worth of keyboards and. When did we get the fucking Fairlight? Aye, was that the Emu? 
think no no that was a fair like it was a fucking fair like the big the big sampler the big poppy disc thing that was a fair like was it I remember it was in it was in the wee ducket aye mental though mental though they fucking they gave us the keys to their 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 tour fucking whatever where they dumped all their tour gear and I come back with the fair light and Fuck knows, I can't remember what else. But okay, I just remember you came back with well, a wee drum machine. I've opening things that's just all clays and then opening up an R thing. And there's like fucking unused football boots, like fucking pristine, and then hunters of sense. And you're just going, what the fuck's going on here, man? It was like Aladdin's cave. Uh, incredible, mate. It was, it was truly, truly incredible times, mate. Fucking hell, I was probably sitting up in a in a barn somewhere that fair, like just in a flight case still. There'd be no sample shit after that, I know. Aye, there was loads of stuff. I I remember the art was the art for um, the art for Belfast Child. No, after that, right? Fucking couldn't even tell you, do I think it was, mate. I think it. I think the art and it didn't quite sync up. Or some of the sounds. Aye. Belfast I'm sure I might be I might be talking that totally No you're probably sure. right man because that that was the that was the stuff that they fucking toured with uh-huh. um, and so nice. we I mean I'm just trying to think because even at that point so much is fucking happening in the in, in, in the snake pit so your career's fucking taking another fucking um, kickstart into the trans progressive trans thing uh-huh. Uh, Roger and I had parted ways doing the Sonic and then I'm just trying to think what the timeline is here because then the public domain thing's kicking off and but before that you and I had got together to work on I, well, I think I think I mean obviously you were doing the Bikini State thing which is fuck where you go fuck all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that madness is real just another level shit you know what I mean you know if, if, if I thought fucking doing a wee track fucking and Eve was decent you know what I mean you were signing deals with fucking DreamWorks oh that's mental wasn't it Crazy fucking door. You know what I mean? Just, I just couldn't fathom the, the amount of shit that was going on in that wee hub at that Aye, particular that point. That was crazy. You know, then, then you were doing the Bikini State thing. Then I think, then maybe you, you and Roger kind of parted ways. Aye, that's right. It, it, it was after all that, that broke, broke us. Aye, it was, it was, then you'd started working with Eddie a wee bit. So you did doing some bits and pieces again, which was, Doing stuff with Pete Hadley, all that I ever remember. Aye, I, I um, kept the, I kept the studio running. Yeah, and then obviously at that time you're still in your wee comp studio, but in, in the yeah. same building. Yeah, and then probably it was just a matter of time before we kind of started going. Let's get some fucking tracks together yeah. or something. Aye, aye, we've done the psych. Was it Super Highway? And we've done some bits and pieces on Limbo. Aye. Under the scanner's name, wasn't it? Under the scanner's name. Then it just, then it just got out of order, mate. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, just, it just stuff just started. Then the public domain thing started. Mark and that done their thing and asked if you'd want to do a wee vocal on it. A week later, two weeks later, it was fucking top of the pops. And I remember you sent me, do you think I should do it? And I'm going to, mate, you know, I don't even think there's, I don't even think it's a question of whether you do it or not. You know, it's top of the pops. You've got to do it. Aye. No, and then it just... But that wee, that wee time, it was just like, all the fucking madness was happening. But I also think, it, for, for me anyway, it was like, we could shut that studio door and it was just me and you. 
Aye. And it was like the the fuck the madness is happening outside, be it fucking your tracks blowing up, the public domain hang fucking blowing up. We yeah. we kind of leaned on each other like to like just like the reality of fucking what the yeah. fuck's going on here? All the madness. Then you got the ministry stuff. I and all these things started presenting themselves. I mean, even in that period as well, what I always remember as well is you pretty much taught me how to DJ. Because remember, I had my deck set up in the studio yeah. and the beat mixing thing, man, it was like fucking, I had never really bothered with that. I'll never forget that night in ministry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was fucking getting booked in playing ministry. I mean, your first, your, first, your first ever proper DJ gig to play ministry, mate. And I, fucking I, remember you, I, remember, I remember your horn shaking, putting the needle on your first track, mate. I remember. I was going, mate, it'll be cool. It's just fucking, I fucking shaking like a leaf. It'll be cool, mate. So, and we get through it. it was, I, remember I think you the, get through it. I never really, I just get hammered. Mate, I'm still raging. I get charged 19 quid for three Jack Daniels and Coke. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I remember from ministry. Them shafting me for three Jack Daniels and Coke. I remember as well going like that. What's this fucking shit mixer, man? And the guy's like, this is a rain, this is the best mixer in the world. I'm like, that's a lot of fucking shit, guys. Yeah, I'm used to a pioneer then. I'm not a pioneer. Oh, <laughs> the big fucking knocks, man. <laughs> and they're like the mixers of mixers in it. Fuck's sake, man. Go for us. <laughs> but that, that was mad, wasn't it? I, look, we're doing the, the mad fucking DJing things and then the full uh, public domain madness and I remember just, just through that public domain madness like, tracks that we had wrote that wasn't even for public domain we ended up putting them on the public domain album right. inside out and hearing it in the wee ducat that you were working in mm-hmm. and it just fucking sounded massive obviously you're in that wee cupboard kind of thing yeah. and I think we were letting Billy Kilty hear it I can't even somebody was fucking doing because there was people in and out all the time weren't there yeah, uh-huh. and that was a fucking moment for me like wow that fucking sounds great did we know uh-huh. we done test pressings of that and sent it to a few labels and there was yeah. a couple of folk into it yeah yeah because uh, it was quite kind of hard housey wasn't it aye aye it's quite a hard housey type type. I mean, they were. I mean, it sounds. You know, at the time, you know, there was a lot of hard work put in it as well, mate. You know, I mean, it wasn't a lot of hard work, a lot of lot of long hours. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we spent more time together during that period than we probably did with our with our girlfriends, mate. I know, I know. We so fucking... we did, you know, we spent a lot, a lot of time together in that studio. You know, it wasn't just like, hey, you know, you, you know, it was just, you know, we had to work hard. Late nights and all that. Kid. Mate, I remember being in there. Even when we moved to the other studio, I just remember, you know, we did. We worked really hard to, 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 you know. I wouldn't say to get where we get to, you know. But deadlines and stuff. I, I remember the deadlines for the album and all that, the public domain album at the time. You know, it was, it was madness, mate. It was, it was long, long hours and long creative kind of brainstorming frustration at times and you know just trying to get things over the line and again the technology it just kicked in as well mate you know audio sequencing it just kicked in you know having the the pro tools kind of audio card and we were using more than we had an infinite amount of channels to use you know sometimes that's a wee bit over that was a bit overwhelming at the time you know trying to get to grasp with the new technology as well and and I remember like when you're saying with audio look when we first kind of 
um, go. You could actually play audio on the keyboard. I remember the two has been fucking blown away. Oh, really stoned and all, but also oh, blown away. Every studio photo I think they took, um, there was a tray underneath some, <laughs> some rack of gear, mate. Or, I mean, some rack of equipment. Uh, equipment. You know? uh, <laughs> so there, there, there you go and all, with the money that we were making back then, our studio was fucking phenomenal. The amount of gear that was in yeah, that. mind blowing. You know, I've got a couple of, remember I sent you the old pictures that are thin mate, just fucking blown. racks of amazing shit just like, mind blown mate we were never out of sound control I know here. as soon as we had some money half it we didn't pay for but I know he's only in that for a couple of weeks we'll let you know <laughs> David I forgot about it <laughs> oh gosh um, aye Aye, I mean, aye. We set up. I mean, we set up the Red Monkey label during that period as well, yeah. and we set up the Debunk label, and, and, and fucking fired out some great tunes. Every now and again, I'll stumble across an old Scanner singer or something, and I listen to it. I go, "That's fucking still solid, man." Because I think what we were doing back then is. We were taking advantage of the singers and guitarists coming that in was, and out, and that's what was brilliant about it. Yeah, that's what made it different as well, mate. You know, I, I, it wasn't just like progressive house tunes, it was still songs. Yep. You know, and that came from a lot of influences for the Bikini State things, and, you know, um, Chris and um, Nick's brother, and, you know, Mark Kerr and Eddie and Paul and stuff like that. That, that all de- definitely all stemmed from more a musician point of view. Aye. You know, I remember writing, I mean, a, a Shiver was obviously a big one for us, you know, but I remember writing the track that we'd done with Chris. Femme Fatale. Wow, mate, I remember just, I mean, I still listen to that vocal, you know. His just, vocals are amazing. I remember, as we, I remember as well, I don't know if you, it, he had gave us, he had recorded it on, I can't remember what it was, it was some mixer big hard drive mixer to him he'd done all his vocals and he gave uh, us that in yeah and then we were stopping and starting and that's how we got all the <gasps> right okay remember that I remember yeah, that yeah. I'm just going that's uh, fucking amazing uh, his vocals were already amazing but it was yeah, yeah. some effect when you stopped the actual playback here, it gave it that mad sook yeah, and we uh, started sampling her as a mad shit but yeah. that was these musicians that were like just passing through the studio that we were in yeah, and we were just like come on doing or do you want fancy doing that I mean we were getting fucking saxophone players doing and fuck it let's get a saxophone in this you think so uh, fuck I fucking uh, that was that was incredible he, he was a bit bonkers that saxophone player but um, it was great he had the, he had the personality of scaffolding I can't even, I can't even remember who he was or, I, I think he was, a, he, was a, he was a teacher was he, so he was, right. I remember him being a teacher um, He's just come down and fucking smashed it. I came and done his thing, mate. I was again some of the tracks. I'm, I'm really, honestly, all that what we done together back then, mate. I'm, I'm proud of every single track that we done. Uh-huh. You know, I genuinely am. You there know, wasn't much that. shite to be fair, wasn't there? No, it was all pretty standard. No, no, it was. I, I, I'm proud. I, 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 I stand behind every single track that we done. Again, uh-huh. it had to be stand up in our eyes, mate, because you were investing a lot of money into releasing it with the artwork and the, you know, the, the vinyl pressing costs, you know. So it had to be, it had to be, you know, you had to be 100% sure 
you know, or what you were releasing at that particular time, mate. You know what I mean? It was um, again just it just still blows my mind what we we were doing back then, mate. Still in our early twenties. I know. You know, and I think as well, but like like like, like many things as well. We, we're trying to run businesses and then like I think it happens to a lot of musicians sometimes the, the business of it just drags you down like we were running labels and yeah. the distributors were going doing them are losing thousands and all that right we'll set up another one that goes down again and you're just getting constant there was a lot of success but it, you're always battling the constant fucking knocks yeah, totally which is it. just so hard to fucking two young boys who were no really businessmen were just into make music yeah. but we're trying to run a business I know I mean obviously I, you know, I'll, I'll put my hand in my heart and say you were, you were, you were more switched on than, than I was from a business point of view mate you know you kind of you done a, you done a lot of the kind of hard work the, the, the work that you know maybe I took for granted back there you know that I wasn't doing you know but you, you needed that in order for it to work mate you know I think I think you, you needed you needed that and unfortunately whether good or bad you know you probably dealt with a lot of that stuff, you know. Get, now looking back, you know, mm-hmm. but you were on the ball with that sort of shit, mate. You know what I mean? And I was I'm, just trying to learn on my feet, and, and like you were in the, the technology side of things yeah. and fucking learning that, on that. And I think we just yeah. divided with our strengths of what yeah. we, we kind of thought. Did. Yeah, we did, mate. We did, and I think that's how we done so well back then. You know, within our own wee, within our own wee. But we can't remember when we were doing the Red Monkey stuff. Not that our mother had just started, mate. You know, trans labels had just started kicking off. You know, when we started the Red Monkey stuff. Yeah. You know, you know, I think it maybe our mother is maybe a couple of year old. I'm not too sure. You know, but Vandit was probably. You know, I remember. I remember um, doing questions and the label getting it. Um, Paul Van Dyke wants to license it to um, Vandit, and I was getting it. Who? I, I, I think this was maybe 2000 or 2001. Uh-huh. I don't think I'd quite picked up on Paul at that particular point, mate. Yeah, naively, you know, people were kind of wait, really, you didn't, you know, but I was probably just too much. I wasn't buying that many records. I wasn't uh, in that, at that particular point, mate. You know, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known who who who, who he was, sort of thing, you know. But uh, I was just then the the answers tracks and the Tiesto DVDs and the Paul Van Dyke uh, cover, right, well, no. Steve Lawler and. You know the balance charts and Pete Tongs, and it was just just a brilliant thing. And, and even look, we done the debunk nights as well when we were trying to push whatever yeah. we felt was our wee hang. Right. We done a right. week and a night. So again, we're just fucking trying about everything. But it was such a great creative time. Um, when you think of all the things that we were juggling back then, yeah. Yeah. not just writing music, running labels, yeah. running nightclubs, yeah, fucking then, dealing yeah. with public domain yeah. aye touring Australia and touring all the gigs I mean some of the uh, fucking gigs the amount of Jack Daniels that we drunk and all and also the amount of amazing gigs and laughs that we had during that period was fucking unbelievable aye I mean again I, you know I, I was still for all the gigs that I've done all the brilliant gigs that I've done you know over the last 10 years those particular gigs with yourself and Mark were probably still to this day, mate. Up there. Up there. You know, better than just the, just the people that we met. The, the, you know, you're spending three, four weeks of time in each other's pockets, mate. You know, and aye, there is going to be times where fucking 
you know, tensions are a wee bit more so for me, just being a moody bastard, no getting to sleep and all that. You know what I mean? I mean, we're uh, trying to get you up for gigs and all that. You're like, come on, <laughs> hey, fuck, man. I'm like, David, we need to go to this gig <laughs> and escape right, somewhere outside, didn't we? We were in Adelaide. I think we just flew for Perth, mate. Some, we'd flew for Perth to Adelaide, mate, and obviously time zones and all that. Right. I remember that. I remember that clearly. And I just. It wasn't, you know, it was just tiredness. Oh, wasn't it? Just, We're up for fucking days straight, travelling and fucking know, doing gigs. You know, uh, you know, it's great. You know, people think, oh, that, what a life. And it was, it was great, but it was hard work at times. Aye. Aye. You know, try to, try to just keep it together. So it was, and try and perform every, 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 that oh, was great, man. You know, it's just, I, I, would, I wouldn't change it for the world, mate. Ah, it, it was, was good incredible. times. Uh, it was, it was, it was incredible. You're there, I mean, then that kind of, that's, that, we, we sort of, Parted ways, can I? I sort of lost my, my way a wee bit with what was going on with me personally, kind of thing. And I think you are maybe ready to move on to your next stage as well, kind of thing. Yeah. And then, where have we gone with that now? Because again, I, I, think, I think, I think, see, see, looking back as well, mate, see, looking back as well, a lot of things were, you just had Oshie. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and see, if you're, not, see if you're not a parent, you can never understand what it's like to be a parent. And aye, naively, aye. you know what I mean? I remember when I had the studio, you know, some days you couldn't come in because you had the wee man and, you know, and and, and naively, you, sometimes, and selfishly as well, from my point of view, you maybe don't comprehend what it's like to be a fucking parent yeah. or a father. You know, I and remember then, going into you, you, you just, Maria just gained birth the ocean and we were having to go to Australia, mate, you know, and, I, and, and looking back, I remember... Because I, I remember when Jack just had Aria, I had to go to Brazil for 10 days or something like that for a few gigs, and it was fucking tough. Now, it rips a heart away, didn't it? Aye, and I can't, and, and, and looking back, it, we were going to Australia for three, four weeks at a time, mate, you know, pre internet. Aye, aye. We just couldn't fucking FaceTime the Wayne, you know, to see how the message was, and, you know, so you take that into consideration. Again, there was a lot going on, you know, just lives evolving and yep. moving on and things. And, and things happen. They happen the way they happen, mate. Ah, you know, it was just it was it was one of the things, you know. You know, it's like things are. I mean, per, per, a lot of things happen. I think things were just. I don't know what was happening. Things were getting a bit tight financially in the studio and stuff like that as well. When it, you know, and you know, it's just. Well, that's what I'm know. saying. We're coming out of the the heyday of the what doing tracks for Ministry of Sound, public domain, our own labels look. Distributors going down, yeah. money money's kind of getting tighter as you say, and and, and like I said, I, I'm dealing with you know mine like being a fucking dad and then all, like mad legal cases and all that, and then I'm maybe selfishly thinking about me, and you're obviously what just what happens? You're thinking about you, and yeah. then yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. sort of went our, our kind of separate ways, but we never it wasn't like a messy fire it was just like oh, one of you just drifting we about me. It, you know, we, I remember the con- we sat down and we had a, a civil adult conversation about the first uh-huh. thing you know, and we just we just choose to chose to, to go our separate ways you, you know, can go I, your own way <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you've got to remember taking into consideration mate you had that big vinyl digital crossover coming as well aye aye you know, so financially the money wasn't there anymore yep. you know you didn't put a record out and, and pull in some some money you know I'll go on the compilations and you know get on 10, 20, 30, 40 compilations at a thousand pound a time advance and stuff like that or whatever it was you yep. know so a lot of things were happening within the music industry and you know 
That's what right, I'm, mate. We're, we're adapting. You know, and it was tough times again. It was a it was a big change, wasn't it? Because I even remember Guy Guy Ornadale or somebody like that telling us we've missed Guy the golden arches, mate. We've missed the, the golden period of MP3 and all that. And we're going. What are you talking about? The golden period. Uh, you need to date just now. You need to ask get what digital. I remember there was companies at that time hounding us, mate. I remember it was three beat and stuff like that were hounding us to go digital and start mm-hmm. up and set up the label. You're like, fucking, you talking about fucking vinyl be for a good bit, yeah? Because I think we were thinking digital, and then everybody's got it for nothing. There's no money in digital because we're looking at records we're going right you sell that you get that back and you, we yeah. couldn't really fathom it or I certainly couldn't oh, how you're going to get money for digital records yeah I mean either mate you know so there's, there's a lot of things changing within the industry probably the biggest the change in the industry aye ever aye aye really mate aye probably it probably was so, so was. where was where was your next step after that so you've did you did you go into another studio or did you go back to the house or how did, oh, wait, what, what, what was the next in your journey where did you go through there Davey I think that would be maybe 2005 2004 I just bought a Mac I mean I'd done my hair there and stuff like that mate you that's know? right aye and um, I just I had I had the studio in the house mate so I did I had the studio in the house for a bit I think Billy had been asking me to God say curse on me but he wasn't curse on me but Billy Kilty was asking me to move into 23rd, I think I ended up in 23rd for a, a good That's number right. of years, you know, and then I started doing stuff for Armada at that point, started doing some tracks for DJ Remy, his um, 68 recordings label, it was still vinyl at that point, so it was, mate, you know, still vinyl, and, um, was it labels that you were tracking, doing that you wanted to work with, because no. you liked the stuff, or did they get in touch no, with I you? I, I, I think, I don't even know how the, the DJ Remy thing came about, I think I just sent it to Armada at that point. Some of his and tracks they, back then were massive, weren't they? Aye, it was still quite tech housey. The stuff that I was doing, it was trans, but still, again, coming from the, the scanner sort of trans. Uh-huh. And then I was doing... I Progressive housey trans. Aye, that's what it was, pretty much. And then I was doing... Then I ended up doing some stuff for Combined Forces, what I used to do, some hardcore stuff back in the day. I'm mad I bought Combined Forces and I was doing the Exiling tracks. Tiesto was picking up and stuff like that a, long, a wee bit harder space funk and stuff like that so I just started is this still under the name David Forbes or did you aye, start aye, no, moving no, into oh no it was still just David Forbes you know just just releasing some stuff in um, Armada mate that's pretty much where they have been working with Armada for about 20 years now mate wow like year. so as that's yeah, as long as that I think so maybe 2000 and no but 17 years mate 2000 and Maybe five, two thousand and five. I maybe put it the two thousand six. But that's the thing which I really admire about your, your your journey is you've always been prolific. There's never been a time when you've kind of went, oh, can we ask? There's always Davy Forbes records coming out or aliases. Yeah, it's, it's like you and Sherry. You, it's like you can just turn up and sit down even if you're not in a mood I feel like you can just switch it on and it's like your job to write a record aye I do feel like that at times mate yep I do I do. you know like whatever's going on you can sit down at your studio and go I'm making a record today aye do you know what sometimes I I feel most productive when 
fucking the, the wheels are at the door when ships going down you know that way mate you know mm-hmm. when you know you've got 20 pence in your bank account and you need to pay the bills next month you know yeah. that's what I I seem to thrive a lot of the times mate I don't seem to crumble that way you know and, I, and it seems to it seems to naively again it seems to work out for me I just seem to just keep on I'm not one of these guys that will get to a point in a track and ah, I don't know where to go and I'll go for a walk I don't do that I've never been that sort of, as you know you right. know I'll just keep there and I'll stay there and I'll keep chipping away and, and I just want to I'll try and let it get the, the better of me always you know, looking for ways to make it better or finish it and complete I, it Complete it, mate. Just get to the point A to point B in it. You know what I mean? And I always kind of, when I come into the studio, I try and some days are better than others, you know, but I just, you know, it's, it's even what a day this is what pays my bills. So I need was, to be right. Was there ever a period where you've kind of, well, I mean, I suppose there's kind of has been sort of quiet periods through your career, but had you ever contemplated about chocking it? Loads of times. Loads of times. Aye. Hundreds of times, mate that you know fuck this you know it's just again for a financial aspect you know but I could <laughs> it never ever materialised you know I never really acted on it you know you just, just de- de- let the pressure on you just went I, just frustration you know that way you know maybe frustration from a, a point maybe I should be gigging more maybe not so much now but maybe in the earlier days but you look back and, you're, and I'm always a great believer you know I don't. I, I try and no, don't let that get to me. I don't. I don't let that. I kind of just try and paddle my own canoe. I try and no get caught up in what everybody else is doing, or I should right. do that. You know, or you end up just chasing your tail. You know, I just try and concentrate on what I'm doing and try and keep my headspace clear. I can't let that negativity get into my headspace. That's maybe why I'm not on Facebook, mate. You know, I've got my music page. I don't have a personal Facebook page because I don't want to read. I don't want to read the noise. I don't want to see Aye, hear the, the noise. I don't want to hear the noise. I just want to be creating my own noise. You know, making my own stuff. You know that way, and, and and just, you know, I don't want to be peeking at the fence to see what everybody else is doing. You know, I can hear what everybody else is doing, which is cool. Just as long as I'm, I'm still creative and still focused on me what I'm trying to do. I think that's what's great about having a studio because you can just shut the door to the world, kind of thing, yeah. and, and and get onto that kind of. But it is it is hard. But I mean, I'm, again, I'm just trying to steer it back to the reason why I was asking that any downtime because you're the, you then I, I just feel like no recently, but I would say the last five years, maybe t- maybe ten years, I feel as if you again. This is me just watching as your friend. Mm-hmm. I feel as if you've come into your own again, you know, and and yeah. and and. and it, and I, I'm seeing things growing almost, almost like you know that way. To see an overnight success, nobody sees the ten years hard work before it. But yeah. you know, you know, I'm looking at you, and I know it's near, near enough thirty years fucking hard work. Yeah. But I just, I, I'm trying to fling like a big vibey word like a renaissance or something. But there just seemed to have been this turn where you come into your own again. You know, you've got the label, you're firing it out on all the right tracks. You're, you're, you're starting to do the right gigs and it's like everything that you've worked hard to achieve is finally starting you know the world's coming to you now rather than you try to go to it yeah do you know what mate she she had the last five five years or so maybe six years you know me I was never one for playing my own records mm-hmm. 
and we were just like that all the time when I remember I said we need to fucking be playing this and aye, you know, I just aye. don't like playing my own tunes aye, I just never I just didn't think they were good enough or did the sound production wasn't good enough or loud enough or I just thought everybody else's stuff sounded better than yeah. what I was doing or what we were doing or whatever you know and, and it's only been in the last maybe five years you're probably right mate you know five or six years that I play all my own stuff predominantly because it's fucking I'm brilliant happy, I'm happy with my sound I'm happy with what what maybe it's maybe it's an age thing mate where I, I don't care what people think aye that's a big part of it I think you know I don't care if they like it or no I like it you know and I can see other people like it and I can see other people trying to imitate me back to what I'm trying what I'm what I'm doing which is great you know I'm not saying it's it's I think putting stuff out in Mark's label at the beginning, the jetpack track and stuff like that that I started doing with Mark's label was a wee turning point for me. You know, because I, I don't think I was doing... I'd get caught up in another project that kind of sidetracked me for a while. What was that? Know, the, the, the stuff that I was more the commercial stuff when I I was doing the censored record stuff for them and that kind of in the Gorbel Sound Studio again which was another another studio great, you're working in one uh, another great experience for me you know seeing and working with people that I'd never got the opportunity to work with seeing that environment that kind of top tier money environment you know where money wasn't an issue and what was that kind of stuff? Was it like commercial bands and pop music stuff? I mean, commercial. You know, I get the opportunity to go out there and start up a wee kind of house label for 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 the guy that was running owned the studio and stuff like that. Successful businessman, hugely successful businessman, great guy. People I, I was working with were great, but I just felt as if I was turning into a wee bit of a tire kicker, mate. You know, I was getting a good wage and you know it was great, great experiences. I wouldn't have changed it for the world, but I just felt as if I was getting. The passion was getting kind of drawn out of me because the money was easy. You know, I was getting mm-hmm. a wage every week and sometimes a wage is great, but I like to fucking light a fire underneath my arse every day, Aye. which makes me go out and have to produce. And so when I stopped doing that, I'd kind of stopped doing trans for a, a, a while because I get caught up in the kind of commercial stuff. But again, the experiences that I learned there doing more vocal stuff and, you know, having the opportunity to work with other people and see get just get different experiences out with the, the dance scene it wasn't until i stopped doing that then i started writing trance again i was having to kind of find my feet again Aye. you know and then i was i started doing stuff for mark's label the jetpack stuff and that kind of spurred me on is this before you had started your own digital label no. you done stuff on mark's you had the digital label i'd already had the label at that point it was i think i started the label in 2000 oh, i can't even remember yeah, but after Ari was born, because that's aye. the name of the label after. Aye, 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 it was after that. It may have been 2010, I think. But, you know, I was I was doing a lot of stuff in AVA, owner Madden and stuff like that prior to getting there. And then I stopped. Uh-huh. I kind of fell out the loop a wee bit. Then I started doing some stuff for Mark's label again. You know, then I kind of snowballed and, you know, I'd moved studios into this studio. We built this studio. You know, when I stopped doing that stuff for the Garble yep. sound and stuff like that. And we built this studio and... It's just been a, a kind of graduate again. It's been the last six years since I've been in this studio. Things have really started to happen again. Aye. You know, like the gigs and the music. In the right gigs, you know, because trance kind of always, it kind of, it's happening and then it, 
you know, somebody fucking decides it's slow trance is a cool thing and then it's trouse and then it's whatever. It, it, any kind of thing, it kind of ducks and dies, but it's kind of came back to where you are you were doing it when it was when it was happening the first time round, and it's like yeah. almost like second time round, and and you are fucking really took the bull by the horns, and you're doing the big trance gigs, you're mm-hmm. releasing all the right big trance labels, and I also yeah. kind of feel like it's almost just like even for me as your mate watching you, I get frustrated because I'm going wait a, minute, wait a fucking minute, all these big DJs are playing Davies tracks. He's putting tracks out in all the big labels. You know, like every fucking label you can imagine, you've probably put a release out on several. And it's just a matter of time for when you become the big fucking trans guy. No, you're a... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to really offend you by saying you're not the big trans guy. But to me, you are bigger than your fucking Testos and your Paul Van Dykes because you've done the shift. And I'm just waiting on that time when you become that guy. Do you know? And I'm no bullshit. I, I'm, I'm just going. That's that's going to be coming because you're doing all the right things. But and I'm just seeing this wee shift where I'm just going. I'm waiting to go. Now it's going to be Davy's turn to be the guy. Yeah, I think, mate. I, I mean, again, I've never been one for again letting it get to me. How man will doing that gig? That gig. Aye, aye. At times, you know, no, no. Like, I think. I think just doing a state of trance there a couple of years ago, I was I was on, you know, I was doing loads of gigs prior to that, all the good gigs, you know, then didn't get the opportunity to play a state of trance. And I genuinely thought it'd pass me by, mate, the state of trance thing, you know, and, and get the opportunity to play that that gig was just it was just really overwhelming. I was I, I, was, I was I was I was I was I was I can't even tell you how happy I was to get that gig, mate. You know, just as a that's you know, a trans gig, a trans gig, isn't it? I, really? I, 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 in my in my opinion, it is, and you know, other people might think different, you know, but I I, I think that's for me that, that in my field and the trans field to get the opportunity to play a state of trans, you know, is when you think, you know, wow, you know, I've kind of, you know, other people might think different, but I genuinely thought for me, you know, that that was kind of the pinnacle in my trans career. To play a state of trance, I would say it's a springboard onto your next chapter, which is this you're in right I, now. Oh, I mean, I, I hope so, mate. You know, it's good that I'm, I just, I just thought doing a state of trance. Then after a state of trance, the world shut down, mate. I, I felt as if I was on a, an upward trajectory. I genuinely yeah. did. I was getting it. Wow, I'm getting the right gigs, and I was getting gig after gig after gig in that kind of six month period when I was doing all the right. Was touring a lot with Mark, which was amazing, you know. And then we were doing loads of great gigs in Asia and you know and, and, and in Europe and stuff like that, which was brilliant. It was it was amazing. I just felt and I was playing all my own music and you know, yep. I was happy with my sound and you know, then play a state of trance, I'm giving it yes, you know, let's just kick on to two twenty, let's just really kick on now. You know, then then the world shut down like Fuck guy. But again, it didn't stop me from being productive. I know, you know a lot of people a lot of people had a, 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 a well Mark's admitted it as well he's struggled to get into the studio but again you've just seen that as a challenge then like you're saying like a fire on your ass and you've got back into the studio and, and been really creative during that time I just kept on releasing track after track month after month got my first beatport number one you know during right. that time you know then you know just kept on putting out the tracks and you know again just I'm just trying to, to shut out all the noise mate and just keep doing what I'm doing 
I don't want to kind of slow down. Evolved, I, done. I, I don't want to be a tire kicker. I want to keep evolving the sound. My sound, I want to keep them tappy. There's hundreds of new kids coming through. You know, so you want to keep them tappy your shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you, you again, an offspring, you're both, you're fucking producing a lot of the new folk coming through. You're doing a lot. You've, you've always kind of done that, an engineering sort of side of things, ghost producer or however. It's, you see it. That's, again, is that something that you just do on the side that you don't really talk about that? Didn't you know it's, it's that? I don't. I mean, again, it's, it's just one of those things that sometimes it's a taboo subject, you know, but, you know, you, you know, if, if you're no gigging every week, and you still want to be involved in the music industry, you know, you you have to look at other ways. And I'm not the only person that'll be ghost engineering or writing tracks for other people. Oh, oh there's loads of people today. I mean, you know, since the dawn of the studios, people I, have been, have been know, doing it. I, tons of people within the trans industry do do that for other people. And um, it's funny because there's good and bad things about it. You know, sometimes it can be draining. You could be getting a lot of good, good ideas away. I mean, yeah, there's loads of times I've wrote tracks and getting it fuck. That's killer. That's a killer track. Should have kept that for a Davy Forbes release or whatever. Yes, and there's been times where I've done things. I won't say what track, but I've done a track for somebody. And I knew as soon as I wrote that track, I would get a track in FSOE. I knew knew right away and I wanted a track in FSOE for a while, but I just hadn't quite nailed that sound, mate. I just Mm -hmm. hadn't quite nailed that bass line. And I'd done it for a dude. And I knew as soon as it was finished, I wrote a track the very next day and signed it to um, Future Sound Egypt because I knew yep. I'd nailed the sound. I knew I'd got that sound the way I wanted it, you know, mm-hmm. and it was all through doing a, an engineering job. And when I'd done the kicking the bass line that I was happy with, it, it was just so simple. And I'm like, how did I know? How did I know think of that? Aye. Sometimes when you're working with people, things like that happen that maybe wouldn't have happened when you're working yourself or something, you know what? Well, there's loads of things that I've got, you know, ideas from when I'm doing tracks for other people. Keep you, keep you creative. It is, because you know you've only got a two-day turnaround. And I guess somebody's paid you the money, so you know you've got to deliver. And again, that's you working at your strengths, what we've spoke about all through this podcast, is you, you've you said that you feel you work better under pressure. So maybe yeah. it's, it's, it's aligning to that mentality for you Davey where you're going this guy's paid his X amount of money I need yeah. to deliver a banger at the end yeah. of this session yeah. and then that's when the magic fucking happens that's, me, that's pretty much it in a, in a nutshell to be honest that, that pretty much is it you know and again I suppose and it's just being passionate about what a lot of things I'm not I'm not when I engineer I engineer for a slight I don't just engineer trans I'm doing a lot of techno stuff right you know, probably had more number ones and other people's names than I have, I have in my, my own name. Mad, you know, but, you know I'm, I'm doing, you know, techno, hard techno, progressive stuff, you know, it's right across the board, Jack and House, you know, right across the board because I love just being in the studio and, and writing music, mate. Right. It's just, it's, it's your passion, isn't it? And, it, and it's, I guess it's, that's, that's the, the downside of producing for other people when you have to sit back and watch them wax lyrical about how hard they've worked on that track when you know that it's pretty much you that's wrote that track for them kind of thing you know I'll hear I'll hear those murmurs I'll hear those kind of noises for other people again just because I'm not on Facebook right right I don't I don't see that noise or, or what they do when they leave the studio or what they're saying or how they're promoting it or whatever they do I'll just see it in the, I'll just see it in the Beatport chart 
you know, and I'll hear from other people what other people are saying, which is cool, you know, that's that's cool, that's just part and parcel. You either, I'm a great believer, you either do it, don't do it and moan about it. You either mm-hmm. do it, you don't do it. You know, do it. You know, it's financially viable for me to keep my studio going. Yeah. And else, you know, and it's and it's you know, and and I, I tend to I tend to work with people. I select few people that I'm not just a guy that gets people in the studio and writes a tune and sends them on their way. No, I end up you know hooking them up with labels sometimes, mate. You know, you end up being yeah. a wee bit of a manager at times. You know, and I've said that a few times. You know, dude, I'm not your manager. You know, I'll help you get. Where you've got to go, but it's you know I'm, I'm you know I'm 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 no I'm not here to get right the track and get the track signed for you as well. Aye, but you're passing on a lot more than just the guy going. There you go, mate. Cheers. Aye. Thanks. See you later. I'm a great believer. I'm going to engineer for someday. I want it to be as close to what I can get to if I was going to put it out in my name in two days. So because there's no there's no point in you know writing tracks that. <laughs> If your heart's not on it or whatever. I mean, people are just going to walk out the door and they don't get it signed. I know when they walk out the door and what label, because they need to, I mean, I ask them, you know, what is it you want to do? What are you coming into the studio for? What labels do you want to get on? You know, um, you know. so you need to have a kind of, you need to know what labels you, you're going to target. Mm-hmm. If you're writing a track that you like, then you kind of get it on a, a label. Because let's be honest, mate, labels are, it's sound based for that label. They want you to sound like the 30 or 40 other tracks that's gone before you. Mm-hmm. But different. You know, they don't want to, I want to create my own unique sound. You know, very rarely that kind of happens, doesn't it? You know, very rarely you create a, your own unique sound and sign it to a label and it starts a whole new sound. Aye, aye. You know, like a Skrillex or something like that or whatever it is, you know. Labels want you to sound like the tracks that's gone before. Fitting with the label. Aye, with the label sound, it's you know it's label driven, it's no artist driven, a lot of the time. See, when you are like in lockdown, now that was you doing the sort of online line things as well, you know. Like... No, mate, you know I do one, you know one of the guys at tech, um, it's more tech house stuff that I do. He's based in Poland, um, guy called Sovax. I do uh, that's the only online stuff that I, that I do. You know, I just kind of my my studio never really shut. Well, it did shut, you know, but for me. I, I was I was in you know I'm thinking you know it was just me leaving the house to come to the studio mm-hmm. but they were in the shops or anything like that you know so it was just um, you know it was just it never really shut during the fall well it did you know the initially that initial three month period you know but then I just went fuck this you know I'm getting in the studio because I couldn't work right. I, I think there's that hanging in a lot of creators where you just need to do it you can't right. know do it it's in you yeah you know, you, you you have to go in and just fucking tinker about. Getting noise out your head? Aye, where you're doing it, you know, full-time, part-time, as a hobby or whatever. You know, I think when you've got that wee creative spark in you, you just that just has to be ignited every so often. Aye. You know, I, I, I see other people that don't date for a while, but they always seem to be come back to their music again. Yep. Scratch that itch. Is there any any sort of guys, producers, young or guys that have been about for a while that you you really admire, you've had your eye on or you like what they do? No, I mean, there's lots of people, I mean, music and production's that accessible nowadays, isn't it? Whether you're getting somebody to write it for you or, or you're doing it yourself, you know, there's loads of wee guys coming through, loads of boys coming through, you know, again, it's easy to get into the scene, isn't it, mate? In the music industry, it's it's harder to keep staying at. 
Aye, longevity. Aye, you, know, uh, you know it's how it's how it's how productive and and, and how um, proactive and how um, you know what, what the word that I'm looking for. You know, you need to be consistent. I think, yeah. You know, Aye. you need to release music on a regular basis. I think. You know, for me personally, that's what the way I look at it. You know, I like to be releasing tracks. I I, I get quite. quite um, when you say it, I would get quite, I don't know, anxious if I don't release music on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I just need to be releasing music, but as long as it's decent and it's on the right labels, you know. At the moment, I just feel as if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm again, it doesn't last forever, you know. But I'm doing a loads of stuff. I'm doing. I don't want <laughs> it lasts for as long as you want it to last. I suppose, and as long as you keep on writing quality music. But are you, you still know? kind of targeting the labels you want to work with. I am doing a lot Checking of stuff. Them off your I, I think I've worked with all the labels that I've ever wanted to work with, mate. You know, I don't think there's many labels that I've not put tracks out on. You know, I've, I've, I've signed a wee deal with Armada last, last year. It's not an exclusive deal or anything like that, you know, but it's, I, I'm doing a lot of stuff for them recently, you know, so I'm, I'm happy. Um, I've just done some tracks for Armand as well, the, the main label, and but I'm more kind of techno-based still trans but still techno elements in it you know doing some stuff on Mark's label Who's Afraid of 138 putting some stuff out with Aria we've done a track together that will be coming out in March I think and um, you know in Future Sound of Egypt and um, collabs with Paul Denton and you know and um, done some stuff for Will Atkinson's label and I'm just I'm just happy I've got and I've got loads of stuff sitting in my desktop ready to go for, for, for next year mate you know yeah. I'm just writing loads of hard techno as well I'm just going to pump a lot of that out as well because it's been doing well in my sets you know a lot of the stuff that I've been that I've been playing you know so I am just trying to keep productive and proactive mate you think no and again is it maybe just being at an age where you just don't give a fuck you do what you want to do but Remember back in the day where if you're into something or you aligned yourself with trance or hardcore, that's that's all you could do. You couldn't be accepted or you couldn't date and something else. And I remember where I'm getting to is I remember when we were first asked to do a couple of old school gigs and the, and the two years were kind of no sick to her stomach, but it was just like a horrible feeling. It wasn't even like enjoyment. It was this feeling of going back and we were doing the right thing and do we want to do all that again and then kind of doing it and enjoying it but no still no being really sure to then cut to the new where you're playing the the biggest most amazing trans gigs but you're also coming to something like a 1994 and smashing it out and really enjoying all that music for what you enjoyed it for back in the day if you know what I mean there is no that kind of I can't do that I'm just in trans now mate or I, a, yeah I think it was in 1994 that night that you got with Trevor couldn't make it and I done that that 1994, 1969 below, mate. That's ages ago, that well, a good six, seven year ago, maybe or whatever, no. What's that high, mate? Wow. And um, absolutely loved it. Loved every minute, yeah. You know, and I actually loved doing them. And I'll tell you why I loved doing them because because of technology. And I can edit all the tracks, and the majority of the stuff that I played the 1994 are all tracks and edits are mashups and mm-hmm. you know it's like a wee mega mix and I love doing them I love mashing aye, but you're making it in the studio can I aye you know and I'm cutting them all down to three minutes and you know and it's all it's, I've tailored all the tracks to suit the way I DJ and, and yep. I'm not just doing it what I've done back in the day 
you know, you I'm, probably I'm did all the things you would love to have done back I'd, in the I'd day. Love to have done. Aye, <laughs> you know, I'm putting a lot of effort into those wee tracks, and right, I need to do something for this next 1994, and I need to do a, a wee, cool wee intro, and I need to grab that bit for that track and make sure that's into that. And I can see people's faces when I'm playing them. Like, you know, then you hear the next one uh-huh. coming in, and they're just, you can see their minds are. They're just getting off fucking. And this I try is amazing. And try and keep it up there. Sometimes I go a wee bit harder than I should, but I try and keep the energy level up there. And just there's no room for you know for any kind of downtime in between the tracks, mate. You know, yeah. so I, I, I I love I love playing those nights because I like playing the sort of sound that I like that I was into mm-hmm. back then. You know, with the Noom stuff and the RMI and your accesses and your Therapeas and yep. your Q-Tech stuff and all the wee mashups and the bow bows and it's, you know, I just, I just, I just love doing, I, I, I love doing these nights now. Excel podcast. But again, it's one of the things I think, David, where you're at, a, you're at a stage in your career where you're just like, I'm doing it because I want to do it, I don't give a fuck what anybody, you know, and I, and I think it's, it's the longevity that gives you that because remember, because what I was kind of getting at is, I remember like early two thousands, we were asked to do like a Back to the Future or something, and we spoke about it for ages. Should we do this? Should we no? And then being uncomfortable with the fact of doing it and maybe doing another, e- even like walking down, going. I, I, I remember thinking, "Am I doing the right thing?" Yeah, yeah, totally. But now it's kind of like it's just like you've just embraced your past. And it's it's part of your future, and yeah. it's just you, can, you just do what you want now. And I, and I think a lot. I don't even know where I'm getting to with this, but I think it's maybe the longevity that only a few people can get to that point in their career where they're no scared scared of failure, as in they're no scared of putting something out that they like that nobody else likes. It's maybe yeah. a failure in their eyes, but it's what you want to do. You're no scared to just do what you want to do. Yeah. And I, and I think you're there. You know, because it's like you're, you're not going, oh, I can't do that because this big techno gig might no book is or this big trans thing might, it's kind of uh, like, I'm doing it because I want to do it. I, I think it's a regional thing as well, mate, isn't it? You know, I think, I wouldn't say I tried to, for in those early 2000s, I tried to hide from my past. I wasn't trying to hide from my past. That chapter, I think for me, at that particular point, I, I was done with it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to get near it again. I didn't want to revisit it at that time. I, it wasn't the right time. I just felt as if I'd been going, I'd begin backwards. You know, and it's not as if I've stalled. It's not as if, like, like you say, it's not as if I'm at a point in my career where I've stalled and I'm thinking I'm chasing these gigs because I need them. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm doing these gigs because, like you say, I want to do them and I enjoy doing them. Aye. And I enjoy seeing the faces that I seen back in the day. And again, it's a, it's a, it's a Glasgow thing. It's a not a Glasgow thing, but it's a Central Scotland thing. Yeah. The 1994 nights, you know, where, where you know, it's just a collective of people that's known each other for the best part of 30 years. Aye. Coming under the one roof and playing the music that they enjoyed playing 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it gives them a wee bit of nostalgia. You know, it's hearing those tracks again, it's hearing new people. I mean, you've got 1994 nights and it's not just all for like 14, 15-year-olds, 50-year-olds. You know, there's a lot of younger people there and yeah. it's great that those people are in, that, 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 that they like the music, you know, that they, they appreciate probably just used to their mums and dads playing that 24-7 but e- I know and equally as well but I think when people are watching you at 1994 or an old school gig 
they're, they're not going, who's that guy? They're aware of what you're doing right now. They're aware aye. of your career, the vast majority yeah. of them. Yeah, aye, I would say so. Aye. No, it's right. like, I wish he'd been up to... Everybody kind of knows. Yeah. Yeah, flying the flag and fucking to this very minute. Yeah, and that's cool. You know that is a that is a cool feeling that they do know that what I'm what I'm doing. You know, and you know I'm you know I'm I'm no too big. There might be people I'm like, like I'm fucking I'm doing my trans thing and I'm doing this. You know I'm fucking the way they playing that old school fucking pitch that I done uh-huh. thirty years ago. You know what I mean? You know I just I just love what I do and again it goes back to being just comfortable. In your own, in your own career, aye. You know, and and knowing that, all right, who cares if I'm playing an old school gig and playing those tracks, I'll go, I'll begin Brighton. You know, a, a trans banger the next day or a techno banger the next day. You know, that's that's what I do. I'm, I'm yep. involved in. You know, I'm not going to hide from the fact that I was involved in that particular scene 25 years ago because it's a huge part of my career. I mean, a lot of the even a lot of the old older sounds and that are influencing what's happening anew. I mean, did you just remixed was it Terapia on Walls label or something? I've, I've no I've no heard it, but aye, it's just it's is that made a fun thing kind of thing, you know. Aye, just, it was, yeah, it was it was again it was just a fun thing, you know. I just I just one sixty five kick and bass driven side trance meets Terapia. So as you know, it's, and I've been sitting on my desktop for quite a while, and Will popped in. He's like, "What you got?" And he's always asked me to do some stuff for the label, and you know what he's like, man. It has to be right off the wall. Mm-hmm. It has to be right against the grain. And I let him hear. It's like, can I have that? And I'm that feeling of, oh, I don't know if I should. I don't know if I should be releasing stuff like that. You know, it's really away from what I'm actually doing. You know, and, fuck it. <laughs> and he's just like, mate, come on, it's just you know, it's fair play to well, you know, if it's a good track, it's a good track, and in his eyes as well, you know, and and I, yeah, I just agreed to to release a record on victims, and it, it, it done well, you know, and a lot of people played it, and I enjoyed doing it, you know, and again, it's just another 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 track. We just move on to the next track, in it, you know, it's just next. Well, well, in that, what what is next? Do you have any kind of plans for the future, or what, what's what, what is next for Davy Forbes? Um, I've just moved to a, diff- a different distribution company with a label. I'd really like to push a label a wee bit more this year. I'd really like, like to forge on me the relationship, really build that relationship with Armada this year even more so, and keep working hard with with Outburst as well, mate. You know, I really enjoy doing stuff with Mark for the label. You know, it's. It's a really strong label. It's a great label. Great label to be part of. And Mark's just fucking. He's like one of the musketeers, isn't he, mate? He's mm-hmm. one of the brothers. You know, it's just. It's, it's, a, it's amazing for fucking such a wee country, Scotland, how you know an electronic music, trans techno house, fucking hardcore. You know, then on rock music. But fuck, you know, we've been churning out music. At a high level, you know, like from pop to rock, for such a small place, you know, music's fucking steeped right in this country, isn't it? It is, mate. It is, you know, and, and you know, there's loads of, even the wee guy Ewan McVicker coming through as well, Aye. you know, just winning the tune of the year, and it's just incredible to see these kids coming through. And that's his animals, that's his Operation Blade, that track. You know, that's his Martin Garrick's animals. You know, just hoping and, that he falls out with another and builds a career. Great, you know, and, and, and it's great to see him. Um, 
new breed of artists coming through like that you know and I honestly genuinely wish him every success and and what the day you know I really hope you know he goes on to, to have a, a, an incredible career and you know and um, and the right people work with him because exactly. like we spoke about it's we very much kind of run our own business till it gets to a certain point or whatever and yeah. I'd like to think the business there's still the sharks out there and all that but like we, we know it's a long it's longevity that counts you know like you don't really want to be the flash in the pan you know and I'm sure him along with loads of others folk have got the drive and the passion to keep it going but that's where the work is isn't it yeah totally mate aye that's it and, and, and being you know and, 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 and having a level head and, and, and thinking again working with the right people picking the right people having the right management because mm-hmm. management and booking agents will be involved in that right away you know can you imagine can you imagine if public domain happened during the EDM boom mm. mate can you imagine how big that could have been Again, how big it was and then how big it could have been even more it so could have been, you know it was I you know I, I know it, it was really successful but, but it was more kind of based on sales and units mm-hmm. whereas there was a lot of public domain gigs but there wasn't hundreds of them no, like you could have got on that kind of EDM scene. Yeah, hundreds of them with absolutely crazy amounts of money flying about. Crazy maybe because it wasn't a DJ thing, it was trying to do the band thing. The band thing, aye, it wasn't, aye. You know, it just. If it was aye. maybe just Mark DJing, it could have went yeah. mental. But aye, aye. But I think even then it was probably a bit too too soon for that kind of. Because it was pre. Would that have been kind of. No, it wouldn't have been. It'd have been. No, it would have been. Two thousand and one or something, wasn't it? Aye, so it would have been pre-superstar DJ. Aye, you know, like Tiesto uh-huh. thing and Armin Denny's Armin thing and yep. you know all the other big guys doing the thing. You know your Afrojacks and your Goetas and your yeah. You know what I mean? Your Calvin Harrises and all the rest of it, mate. You know. Maybe that's what Scotland's lacking. It's just looking. It's lacking the sort of guidance and the we've got a, a plethora of artist talent. We just don't have the lawyers and the managers with the right intentions yeah. and knowledge to actually push the artists forward, kind of thing. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, Scotland's still. I mean, when, when you've travelled and you've toured the world, mate, Scotland's a village. Aye. Let's be honest. You know when you know when you go to places like Melbourne, you know, and, and the population of Melbourne's more than the population of the whole of Scotland, mate. Aye, you know? You know, it's just, you know, when you get that chance to travel and you see the production, just Dream State a few weeks ago or a month ago, the production levels over in America is just, it's just staggering. It's Frightening. fucking staggering, mate. So it is, you know, and it's, it's just mind-blowing, mate. You know, the production levels, the... They've also got the weather, but... Aye, they've got the weather, aye. They've got the weather and they've probably got the investment as well, haven't they? Aye, that's it. You know, and uh, the, the, aye, aye, that's that's exactly what they've got. Um, that's I, incredible. Gee, um, just when you said the Vicar thing, I was talking to, you know, as a DJ Gonzo, uh, the, the kind of Scottish guy that we, we kind of know, and he was like, at a gig, he was like, have you heard that Ewan McGregor track? I went, what? He goes, fucking massive, mate. <laughs> I'm going, Ewan McGregor? He's went, aye, and I went, I'm, I'm Hank Ewan McGregor 
train spot in Star Wars. I'm going, yeah, yeah. Hugh McGregor's done. And the first person I thought was, he's went in and done a track with Davy or something. <laughs> I'm going, Hugh McGregor gone, so he's done a track. He went, ah, it's fucking massive, man. Everybody's playing it, it's huge. And, I, and I'm thinking, has he done like a train spot and somebody done a train spot and hang or something? And I went, what, like a train spot? And he went, no, no, tell me something good. And I went, fucking McVicker, you fucking idiot. And he went, that's what I said. And I went, no, you tell me you and McGregor. And he's like, all oh, right. But like, I went on this mad fucking tangent. I'm going, you and McGregor. Is it right? It's maybe Forbes had sampled a train spot hanger. Is he? So like, just one of the fucking bizarre fucking conversations. You're gonzo, man. You're gonzo. Unbelievable, aye. man. But uh, aye. So, right, aye, just to, to tie it all up, man. What about your socials? Where can folk find you? Everybody knows how to do it, but you know, if you want I mean, to share I mean, name. You, can just, you can just kind of find me on Instagram, just um, DJ David Forbes on Instagram, or my Facebook, you know, again, just the same DJ David Forbes or SoundCloud, DJ David Forbes. Easy you know, peasy. Kind of, uh, quite generic, mate, you know, so uh, you'll find pretty much everything what I'm up to on there, my Twitter, you know, all the usual kind of socials, and I, uh, you know, I'm always here. Brilliant. I'm trying to try and answer as many kind of messages and all that as, as, I, as I can I try to get back to people as much as I, I can you know whether it, whether it be music related or, or whatever mate you know I think that I hope to see and it's something I'm always twisting your arm about in the near future is a, is a Davy Forbes album is that on the horizon? I know every time every time every time I mean I've done a new house Stucker album that's finished I'll release that in the next couple of months Um. I know I need to do a David Forbes album I should man like, I just again I'll get rid of it I will I'll get rid of it you know it's just that I like that I like I like the, the, the idea of an album but I also just like the idea of just putting it singles mate you know that way mm-hmm. and the Hal Stucker stuff I like doing albums with that because I can I can kind of create a wee journey and it's all that kind of I can just do what I want with it you know right. it's, Whereas with the David Forbes tracks, I just feel as if, it a, if it's an album, it'd just be, I don't know if I'd, you know, if it would just be kind of 12 or 15 tracks of absolute bangers. bangers. And people wine here and there and, you know, people pick up in a couple of tracks and the rest will just go under the radar again. Whereas with the Hal Stucker stuff, I can, you know, some, on the new album, I've got drum and bass stuff on it. You know, I've got fucking out there kind of cinematic vibes going on you know some you just feel you can be more creative with that project I think, kind of mate, thing. I do, album, I really albums aye I, I really do believe that aye and, and you know I, I, I will get round to doing a David Forbes album I'll just probably I could I don't I'll probably get an album sitting on my desktop you know I know and you're no joking aye I probably have mate you what, know what, what about even some kind of compilation of like I mean I, I always see albums as like a disc or a record but you could pr- probably have a three disc or no new fucking six disc best of or some kind of thing that gathered because what I think's interesting and great about albums is I think like singles you're firing them out and you have got a chain of singles for the early 90s right up to now it doesn't break in that chain right mm-hmm. but what an album does it's kind of like a milestone it's kind of like where yeah. you are at right yeah. now and people can yeah. rather than try and find all the sing- singles they, they can lock into that album and see where your head's at right now but even if yeah. you had a a collection of 15 tracks is is like mm-hmm. a almost like a compilation album of your own stuff every 
every fucking couple of years you could easily do that with the amount of stuff that you put and it kind of gathers everything for for the passage of time it's it's like that's where you were that year and for people to see Davy Forbes they they can just tap into that album rather than try to find tunnels of singles yeah yeah no that's a good idea but that's maybe just selfishly for me because I just that's the way I'm kind of I just see singles and albums and it's like the albums as the bump in the road but yeah. it's easier to find that bump in the road if you know what I mean yeah, yeah totally no that that, that, that kind of makes sense so it does mean you know I'll probably end up having to fucking license them off of the labels that I release them on fuck <laughs> <laughs> that would be the problem wouldn't it right. and then paying them back for the money of your tracks <laughs> <laughs> and then for them to pay you back the percentage of what you paid them aye 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 so I, I would probably just have to maybe you could get stuff in your own label Aye, I'd need to do a lot more of that, you know, which I plan to do, you know, as well as I just, again, there's only so many releases you can put a year, you know, and I'm, I'm averaging about 12 releases a year, you know, just in my own stuff, you know, minus maybe the odd remix here and there, you know, so probably averaging one a month, maybe sometimes two a month, depending on what kind of genre I'm, I'm kind of writing that way, but I'm trying to keep the quality high, mate. I just don't want to pump them out. I just want to make sure the quality's good. And that sometimes you get that that seal of approval when you're putting it out on your armadas and stuff like that. You know, I'm not just getting it or that'll day. You know, I know I'm getting that kind of it's going through a couple of sets of years before it gives it's given the green light. You know, and it's getting released on armada. Almost impossible question and probably an annoying question, right? Is there any sort of tracks through your careers that you're particularly proud of? I mean, you've spoke about questions and stuff like that, but then equally you've went, it was quite quick today, but is there any sort of tracks personally that you think are up there with your best Davy Forbes tracks? Um, I like the track I've done with Emma, um, Shadows. I like that track, but do you know what? I'm, I'm, I like questions, but I'm probably fonder of answers, mate. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that time we played to about three people <laughs> and um, in Australia or somewhere <laughs> and I, I tell a lie I probably did myself a disservice it was probably about 11 so it was um, no it was probably about 20 or 30 people at that gig wasn't uh-huh. it that in, uh, did we end up on the dance floor ourselves during our set yes I think about it to it. during that track mate and I remember the reaction we got after and it wasn't them going crazy but it was just I don't know it was just different because well, nobody knew it then I was just road testing it I was just road testing it and getting that reaction from that track and I remember the two is giving it you know when, mm-hmm. it, when it when the drop kicked in you know and I, I'll never forget that we were we were in what's the capital of Australia again oh, was, was it Cairns some kind of no no it was um, some uh, was oh, it, was, it was one of the ones we've not gigged loads of but it was one on the tour aye aye it was What's the capital of Australia? Is it not Cairns? No. No, no, Cairns is right up, up right. the top. There's that's people terrible. streaming we, in this pod, we, podcast. We should right know that. Oh my God, that's terrible. Fucking hell, man. Oh, Two grown terrible. men. Um, We've been in Australia many times in fucking any other country. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I, I'm Googling that. I'm doing it right now. Oh, capital of, I don't even know how to spell Australia. Here, I don't know what Canberra. Aye, Canberra. Is that where we were? Canberra. Yeah, yep. I think you're right. 
Yeah, because I remember we we had the we, I remember I'm sure we had Jack Maria. Right. Was it that big mate? And we so oh, did they come on or did we leave them somewhere through there? I, I think they came to that gig, mate. I think they were there. I'm, I'm sure they were. Uh-huh. I'm sure they were. Um, but I I remember questions are still up to this day, mate. I'm sorry, answers. But there's I mean I, there's, there's I like. The, the, the Hal Stucker album that I released, the first one there, I'm, I'm really fond of the, some of the tracks on that. Do you know what I'm going to do? Mind the time we were done, doing a gig and you says, I needed a shite right in the middle of the gig. I did, or you did? I know we're in Sydney and I had to jump off the stage and you shoot to me out of my Two seconds, Davey's away for a shite. Because I'm going to piss myself. <laughs> I can cut this bit out. Yo! Finished? I'm just finishing up, no be long. Close the door. Bye! Well, well, oh, mate, I needed that, man. Aye. Oh, my we God. Well, I could dance the boot in the seat. Oh, my God. Well, we just, we, we can we can round it off, man. I could cut it off, but I can't even. You were, I was just asking you the, the standout track, so you've get when answers. The House Tucker album. Aye, you know, and, and, and the Shadows track that I've done with Emma, and mm. I'm just, I'm just, you know what, just the new, I'm just kind of happy within my own skin, music-wise, mate. You know that way, I'm just, I'm just really happy um, with the sound that I've, do you know what, there, there was a time even the hardcore days, I felt, I felt even the hardcore days when I was pumping out all the tracks, I had my own sound. And I hadn't had that until recently again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only been, like you say, in the last, and I, I would only even say in the last three years, mate, four years, that I've created my own wee kind of sound within the tri- tech trance scene. Just, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say a, a unique sound. It's not a unique sound, it's just my sound, how I process and how I do my wee bass lines and stuff like that or maybe how I play my my, my melodies in comparison mm. to how other people play their melodies mate you know and I've just kept that consistency and just tweaked that sound and and no jump from one track to a completely different song to a completely different song if I do right. a wee bit more uplifting it's the same sort of style if I do a harder track it's the same sort of style 
as I've done before and I'm just trying to evolve in those three wee different styles right. Right, you know? and I just feel as if I've not had this feeling since this is the first time I've felt that with my music since back in the day when I in the hardcore stuff mate well so I, you did chuck it back then when you were in your pinnacle your hardcore so let's hope you don't chuck it no, no, you're no. that. aye aye and you chucked that style you know you just aye, went off had enough aye aye no aye again you're just chucking that style because the the kind of hardcore scene kind of imploded in itself didn't it it just, mm-hmm. just put a point where the music was pish mate I just got stale just chasing aye, its own tail really aye, didn't it it was, just, it was just rotten it was garbage mate you know it was just coming from Die witness to human resource to all the Dutch stuff to just people setting up labels left, right, and center. Just I just flooded it, it with rubbish. It's rubbish, mate. You know, and it just it's it gets harder to kind of sift through the, the the shite tracks to get to the good ones. You I know. know. Whereas nowadays you've just got that you've got that many styles of music, mate. That just keeps you inspired. I think you know. When you're sitting down to write a tune, are you very much know when? at the start of that day what you're doing or do you just let ideas unfold I just pretty much let ideas unfold mate so I do um, it just de- it depends you know again, again it could stem from an engineering job that I had maybe two days prior the day before mm-hmm. so just you know, I'm going to use that I'm going to use that I'm going to use that you know and I'll incorporate it and just tweak it into my own stuff you know it's, it's really good that way sometimes you know when you're doing the odd engineering um, job here and there you know it kind of does help with your own stuff Right. new things new sounds that you wouldn't necessarily because you're just trying like you, you've mentioned before you know you're just trying to keep you're working as fast as you can so you know think about it you're just great that sounds good get it in that sounds good get it in and before you know it you've done a few processes you know and it's it's just you know it's like one of the things you can kick drum kick drum kick drum if you don't put that first brush stroke in the canvas mate you know you, you'll never end up with a a painting really will you you know you need to get that first brush stroke done in order and no think about it don't fucking overanalyze things just get it done and get it done and be quick and you know too many people click and click on oh, what are oh, that basically oh grab a baseline it sounds good man in the right key and just get it in there mm-hmm. you know get another get baseline and get it in there get it started and get a vibe you know get get moving mate you know instead of just procrastinating there every single sound I know. You know, trying to make your own kick drums. Fuck that. <laughs> Fucking give yourself peace, man. Fucking mm-hmm. get a kick drum done and get a loop and some percussion and get your groove going and get inspired. You know, some people make want to make it hard. They think because they go into a studio, mate, it's full of flashing lights and knobs and sliders and buttons. It should be, it should be difficult. It's no difficult, really. I know it's all right you know saying that but it's not that difficult to get shit done you the know, basics of a tune yes it, it'll be difficult if you want to make it difficult you know I want to put it through there and I want to make my own kick drum there and I want to fucking stick it through <laughs> I need this kick to make it sound fucking fatter <laughs> fuck off man just fucking grab a Dave Parkinson kick drum and, get whatever, and, and off you pop mate you know and just get some loops done and try and evolve from there because no. ultimately you can't polish a third can't you know a fucking good tune's a good tune no matter how it's kind of done but yeah. then you can re- once you've made that good tune you can then spend the time and, and get it sounding aye man as long as you just kind of said before you try and just get to point A to point B in every track you do instead of me two and a half minute tracks lying about all other place just mm-hmm. trying your brain to get from one end to the 
the track to the other end, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter, just bank it. It's like training to shite analogy with my piss analogies, but it's like training for a marathon, mate. The more miles you put in the legs, the easier it will get to finish the marathon. Mm-hmm. You know, so the more tracks you start start to and, and finish them, you know, the easier it will get and you're just training yourself. It's like memory. Yeah. Um, fucking retention whatever it is you know what I mean it's like muscle memory aye, aye. you know you know it's just you, 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 you'll just you'll know right I'm going to finish this and you know what it's like to start a track and finish a track aye 100% mate 100% bad, you know what I mean somebody will pick a track up eventually and you'll get to a point where it will it will start to get good as long as you put the ears in I suppose isn't it mate but yeah that's exactly it. you need to put the fucking time in well mate you've had nearly 30 years it so and again you're at a point where you feel it you're just comfortable and almost this and again for me watching it's almost yeah. like it's this second wave for you again when things are just only up and long may it continue no I, I, fingers crossed mate. again it's like a fucking wise man as long as you're happy getting in and doing something you love every day that's success isn't it right. you're just waking up every day and getting into the studio and doing something you love you know, what is it, what is it to say if, you, if you're lucky enough to do something you love you'll never work a day in your life, life. or something like that yeah. it as it's so true, mate. That's so true. You know, I'd rather do this for less money than do a 60, 70, 80 grand job, you know. Stressed out or not. And hate your life. Fuck that, man. Fuck that. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather just be happy doing something I love, man, and just making sure my bills are paid, my daughter's got enough money for trainers and fucking everything else. <laughs> that, man. Fucking and fucking eyelashes and oh yeah oh mate I love that I wouldn't have it any other way aye but here right, right, let's end it oh, on this one right is there anything that you think you could have done if you hadn't found yourself doing this what do you think you would have been in in the army aye probably mate but again you know you, 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 you spend 25 years in the army or 20 years in the army and you come out and you be a a truck driver or a security guard security girl. guard aye for, for all the things that you've done in the army, all, all the tools and all the that experience and expertise that you've gained throughout all that time to come up and do, you know, nah, it's, it's a, it's a straight, I'd have loved to be in a football player. I would have loved to have played football at a decent level. We never even touched on that. That's been running all the way through your music. Oh, you know, oh, your you know it's never stopped really. I don't uh-huh. know, even you were working together, mate. You know, I was just always... By the way, we're in the Scottish Cup final again. I did see that. I did see, see that. that. Aye, mate. You were at the last one. Aye. You know 17 years ago. Was it? Aye, and and you have won it. Aye, and you, you got Players Player of the Year. Or, or was it Player of the Year? Or was it Players Player? Um, was that the same I, year? I don't know what year that would have been, mate. There's been a few, you know what I'm Aye, saying? <laughs> That's <laughs> <But, laughs> every year. But I do remember we were in the Archies to four in the morning. Celebrating. The year, but the night before the final, mate. Fucking hell! And then you went. I we had that gig in the Archies. Wow. So we did. How mad is that? And then you went, Aye. smashed it, and in the back of the net. I was still fucked. I was still shattered for the night before. I'm not going to lie, mate. But I'll be, I'll be good. I think it's hopefully it'll, it'll um, be the end. Of, it's mad that I'm still playing for Drumchapel, mate. It's bonkers. It's amazing. Man. Uh, it's bonkers, isn't it? You know, at that, 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 that stage. It's just been, a, again, that club's probably been as much a part of my life as the music has. Aye. So it has. It's, um, 
mean, we never spoke about it. I just took it for granted that that's that's what you do. But again, for anybody listening, it's been like for fucking right through your career that club's been there for you, isn't it? Aye, I mean, it really kicked off all the, again, we're digressing from that. It really kicked off. And I remember being in the snake pit, mate, you know, being in the studio and the, and the tomb of you guys. And that's when it really kicked off for me. So what, the, the football? Well, the football, I was, I was playing for the drum, but that's when it really kicked off when, you know, there were scouts coming to watch us at the time. And, you know, I was on the verge of maybe signing a deal with Queen of the South at the time. And, wow. You know, and we were touring and, you know, and I'm thinking, is this what I want to do? And, you know, I was playing for the Scotland team and all that, the amateurs team. That's and, right, aye, aye. You know, that's another thing you're juggling that. with that. Ah, uh, you know, I remember, I remember we were playing in a, a friend, like, don't know who we were playing against for the Scotland team. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I remember me and you were working on something in the studio. And and the, one of the boys in the team, he came Fawzi, where are you? I'm going, you mean where are you? I'm in the studio. I'm in the studio working. He's like, mate, we've got a game at Hamden. It was at Lesser Hamden at the time. <laughs> and you forgot <laughs> about it? I forgot about it, so I did. And um, so I was like, I'll be there. And I was late. And I remember, I remember the manager at the time, he put me on to the last minute of the game, mate. The last minute. Sub. I went to the up centre circle when the ref blew for the end of the game. And, I, and, at, that, and at that point, I was like, that's it. I figured it. it was my own fault, you know, but... Uh, just, even back then as well, I always remember, we always used to like, it was our last kick of the the ball on like a Monday night we'd organise a five-a-side five game of football remember with the weekly five-a-side games but we always managed to get ten at the last minute <laughs> well, it's, it's one of the hardest things to get is get ten folk to turn up and play fives are you still playing fives? no I've not played for a while man I've not played for yeah. a good few years moving yeah. moving house and then I've done my ligaments and then just you get lazy once you've had that wee bit of time off in it uh-huh. And I went I back it. and started playing at 40, mate. So I had to kick the ball. We won the Scottish when I was 30. No, 30. Won the Scottish when I was 30. Played on for a few years after that, 33. Had Aria. Um, we had Aria and just, you know, all these things that you thought, ah, oh, no, having a kid won't change anything. And then real life kicks in. I real life, all the things that were important to you just fall off the radar, radar mate. And Aye. I was doing a gig in Lock Lomond. That made it a lot. I've done a gig down there one time, and I was driving back. I said, "I'll swing by the club for a wee bit of nostalgia." It's on the way back, and the the, t- the team at the time, the, the drummer having the um, the play of the year night, believe it or not. And I went up there, and you know, Gaffer was there. And I said, like, "What was you fucking doing?" Blah blah blah. You know, and what are you doing? And by that time, I'd stopped smoking, so I'd been out running all yeah. the time. You know, I'd been out running, like you know, and I was back to pretty, pretty much a good level of fitness again. It's like, why come up for a wee pre-season? And I was like, Gaffer and Fizz, I just came up before I knew it. That was me, I'm still there. Seven oh, years later again. Yeah, no, I'm still still feeling as fit as... I'm just mad for being fit. You know what it was like? I'd run up and down the stairs instead of taking a lift and all that carry on, mate. That's right. But you know what? It's great because you're at your, your job, the amount of hours that you're putting behind a desk, you need that. Oh, 100%. 100%, mate. I need it. So I do, you know, and I, do you know what, Jack, the missus recently, is Jack's right into the gym now, so she is, right. and I've been saying to her for years, and it's amazing to see her really thriving within that environment, you know, yeah. she the gym Enjoying her, it. her sister, she, she absolutely loves it, and it's great, and I've been saying to her for years, look, obviously she works in the mental health, 
side of things with NHS and stuff. And I said, you need that that outlet, you know, you know, and she absolutely, and it's great to see her getting right into it, you know, just Brilliant. taking her um, the fitness a, a lot, a lot more. I wouldn't say serious, but she's really enjoying it. You know, she's oh, got good, her not having to say anything. You know, she she really looks forward to to go in there a few times a week, mate, which is great. You need a release, man, don't you? You really do. Yeah, definitely, mate. You know, that's that's always been my release, out with um, the music. Well, mate, what can I say? I knew it would be long, but that was a brilliant chat we've just had. A brilliant, mate. We could have went for another three years. We could have, couldn't we? But I think we've covered all the bases in, in, in your journey. And it, the, the brilliant thing about it is... is you, you, we've just spoke of near enough 30 years of your journey and and I think Bethy's agree you're almost it's almost like another you're just at the start of another amazing journey kind of thing and that's that's you know as, as your friend as so as as as, as, a, as a colleague or whatever I am you know just to see that is it's fucking great you know that mate I no like I say as you know we've, we've known each other a long time you know we've been we spent a lot of time with each other, you know. We've, aye, we've we've been through a hell of a lot. Aye. you know, we've toured the world together, mate. You know, we've had to rely on each other a lot. You know, <laughs> it does. You know, it's just there's not that many people within the industry that you know you and Mark. You know that you can. You know, sometimes there's certain people that when you speak to them, you know, all you do speak about music, but a lot of the time when we do hook up. It's all about, you know, how's your wins and you know, Aye, loads of laughs as well. Uh, we speak about everything else, but bar music a lot of the time, mate. You know that way. Yeah. You know, and it's it's and it's been uh, it has been a bit of a journey, isn't it, mate? No, it's been good. And you, you know, I hope it just kind of we can keep doing what we're doing as long as we we can. You know, Aye, as as always, mate. That's it's a big part for me. You know, just try to be humble and know. I don't think we've ever been that way to get carried away with I think we've probably done that when we were younger mate you know when pre-internet and they phones and everything else thinking you're mm-hmm. the man cutting about with 10 fit mobile phones hanging out your back pocket I know. you know I think my aye and it's just I just long mate to continue mate you know brilliant oh well mate listen thanks very much for sparing I mean you could have wrote an album in this time David <laughs> <laughs> so thank you <laughs> oh man amazing mate amazing Facebook DJ Malorca Lee I've been up for four days I don't know what's right and wrong anymore oh, wow this stuff's incredible Excellent. podcast